Episode number 261. It's the end of days here in Las Vegas. <laughs> it's, it's sad uh, that you joke about it because we could literally be saying that next episode. Oh, man. I, I Look, uh, well, let me just say, John Morgan, cold coffee here at the Casa de Cold Coffee, the expansive grounds of Las Vegas. It is actually a beautiful Thursday afternoon outside. It's getting into evening, but not a lot of clouds in the sky. It's pretty warm. We got the window open. The expansive grounds, the the pool here is looking nice and clear and yeah. clean. And 59 the, degrees or yeah, 60 degrees, depending on where you're at. A little chilly, but you can't really complain it's about it. It's good weather. It's good weather. It's good. Uh, but it's the damn end of the world out there, man. <laughs> it is It is crazy. Um, listen. You know if the strip's empty, it is the apocalypse. Dude, so listen, man. Driving by, uh, to get from where I live to, to the Casa de Cold Coffee, I mean, obviously – to get to the expansive grounds, you gotta drive <laughs> yeah. a distance. You gotta you know? drive so far. Oh, man. It's, it's Part of it involves gated driving. community tough, minus man. the gates. Security. <laughs> oh, there's lots of gates. It's just that there's not They're where just... you expect them to be. <laughs> um, but no, I have to drive by uh, the strip, and it is crazy to see. You know all the signage. It's just like, hey, we, we we look forward to welcoming you back. You know, all the, really? all the big marquees are just like, hey, everybody get healthy. Womp, womp. If they yeah. could play a noise, it would just be. Womp, that's it, man. The, 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 all the parking lots that you can see, the parking structures are all yeah, empty. That's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Um, it's it's wild, man. It's it's a wild situation that we're in right now. Again, you know, we've we've committed to not being incredibly coronavirus heavy because we we, we want to have a little entertainment but it is uh it well, is, is real is that life, still man. going on is that still going on <laughs> i'm telling you man um i swear we talked about it last week it can't it can't be going on it's yeah it's gotta be done by now it's gotta be done by now it just seems to seems to be getting worse if if we're being honest man so it's uh it's it's a unique situation man i mean uh from us it, i mean look it, to be truthful it hasn't impacted our lives incredibly right i mean we, I mean, I did stop going to the gym, you know, because all the public content. Of course, of course. You know, I was, I like, was, Whoa, I was, I was that years ahead of the curve on that <laughs> one. <laughs> and my wife, my wife, actually, before I came over here today, she's like, "Has he been good about like, you know, social distancing?" I'm like, "Cole Coffee's been social distancing <laughs> for years. I mean, that dude doesn't leave his house. He don't talk to nobody, man. Like, I'm like, trust me, he is safe. Everything is good." Um, if there ain't a fight week that I'm at, I I'm I'm, I'm here. That's it. I'm here. I mean, uh, you know, the biggest thing that's impacted my life is that like I can't sit down and wait for my wings at B does. <laughs> I got to pick them up to go. So we've been. I Just mean, be we've thankful been, that you can still do that. Oh Just God. Be thankful. Well, you can still well I was do gonna that. say. I was gonna say we've been very very fortunate. I am trying to you know again normal social distancing. My my son's at home all the time. Uh, no school. I mean, we're definitely staying inside. We, you know, we go out and, and walk around a little bit, but you know, we're staying away from people. We're not doing social things. We're doing everything. We haven't the- shared any beers. That, that's that's right. good. No. We're we're good three feet ap- across from each other. We, no fist bumps when no we came bumps. in. No nothing like that. I think in I fact, handed you sanitizer. You handed me a sanitizer. <laughs> that's that's what happened. We came in. You're like, here you go, bro. Wipe yourself down. Get yourself clean. <laughs> oh, I was like, man. Normally you do that when I'm leaving, not when I'm getting there. <laughs> You're like, clean up, you slut. Uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's been a little while, um, but hey, you know, life carries on, and uh, we're here. We're, we're enjoying a, a frosty beverage, and uh, I don't know, man. Hopefully, a little bit of a little bit of normalcy. I mean, I think that's what yeah. we're all craving, right? Like the, the world that's is definitely it. changing, but I think we're all craving a little bit. And and I'll be honest, man. I, I 
normally for, for normally I'm dreading having to drive over here to your place, man. Yeah. I'm like, why can't that lazy son of a gun come down to my place? I I know the my expansive grounds. My car doesn't grounds. work. You know, the car the car doesn't <laughs> well, work. I'm always coming to the expansive grounds. I mean, my grounds aren't quite as expansive, but you know, they're not bad. Uh, but I was I was actually looking forward to uh, I don't know, man, just getting out and just uh, just shooting the shit with you. To be honest with you, you know, know it's it's. You know, even though uh, D is my age, it's probably good to to get away. You probably have to do the 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 kid talk all day long, and now you can kind of throw some more f bombs and uh, just I talk a little more. And it's it's you have son. to always be you have to always be on. I think if your kids are on, you always have to be on. You're always making sure he's taking care of. He's he's whatever. I mean, you can come here and. I know you don't worry about it if I'm taking care of. No, that's the point. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. That's you're actually dead right. Even though you're not a parent, I think that's the hardest part about this. Like, I love my kid. I mean, you know that too. Yeah. I love my son, man. I, I I love him so much. But there are times where, man, you just want a little quiet or a little peace or like zone out a little bit or or you're in the middle of something, you know, work wise or whatever. And, yeah. Um, you know, we're in this unique situation. I feel bad for kids right now, man. They're not getting to run around with their classmates and yeah. have fun. You know, they're having to do little Skype calls. My kid's taking it so well. But you're right. That is the part. It's just like realizing, you know, you don't want them to come into the office and just be like, bro, go away. Like, I'm working. You, you, yeah. No, 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 no. You know, they're struggling right now. They're not getting to leave this house at all. you got to be on Because they need times. the interaction as well. Because if they're sitting it. at the house, I mean, they can only play with their toys. Or, I mean, I'm sure some some are loving it if, if they're – getting their extra xbox time sure. or whatever but you know i know it is tough that for a lot of parents to have to sort of make sure they're still uh giving them that education they're still keeping yeah. them focused and all that other sort of stuff but i'm sure even for them they want a break as well so i'm sure the spending the time and seeing you at home is probably completely rare for for eli right. to be able to have you around and stuff for for so long it's kind of neat i've been seeing a lot of the social pics and um you know, it's definitely an ongoing thing. I'll see people working from home, and, and they have their kids studying off to the side. And yeah. It's kind of neat to see all that happening. But I'm sure after a while there's going to be a point where the the, the people that are used to, to doing their work um, want to just focus on work right. and don't want to always have to answer a question off to the side or whatever, you know. So I, I guess I have that luxury not having any kids that I can – you know, during the day when it's just me here at the house, you know, it's it's nice. I love the the fact of just being able to do my stuff. So I'm sure a lot of parents at home now are probably like, man, what I could, that's what it. I would pay for for a bit of uh, alone time. Well, that's it. You know, they he comes in in the office and and he wants to talk and he wants to play and, and I'm trying to work and and uh, you know, it just remembering like, dude, this is a, an incredibly unique situation. Yeah. Don't be annoyed. Don't be frustrating, yep. and 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 really, don't even just be like, "Hey, Daddy needs some alone time." Like, go away. No, you know yeah. what, man? Put put work aside. Unfortunately, like our whole team at MMA Junkie, I haven't seen anybody yet go like, "Where are you at, bro?" You know what I mean? If yeah. you don't answer your Slack for fifteen minutes or whatever, nobody says anything. It's like we get it. We're yeah. all doing stuff. So when you think about this moment, like this is a moment in time that uh, this is going to be a huge part of their life, and it's a we talk about it now, and we're all sort of just dealing with the day to day thing. But this is something 20, 30 years we'll when they're an adult. This. They'll never forget it. And this never is going to be a this. huge point for your kid growing up or anybody that has kids. So as much as there's those uh, moments where there's probably like you do want the alone time, do realize that these memories that are being formed in this point are going to be with them for the so, rest of their lives. So Everybody's so going to always look back and be like, 
remember that time? Remember when this happened and we all, all dealt with it? It's like it's, I mean, the only other event that we've had like this is like is nine eleven, right? Where we all know exactly where we were. Yeah. We all know exactly what was going on. We all remember. And this is obviously a much longer stretch of time. I was gonna say because you had that and you dealt with it. This is like every day. Yeah. You wake up and you're back. No matter into how, this. no matter what happens, whether whether life goes back to being exactly the way it was a month ago, which I don't believe it's going to. Yeah. But even if it does, we'll never forget this. So yeah. Uh, interesting times. All right. Well, listen. Um, Big news right now, no question about it. John Jones today arrested for DUI. No. I know. He shocking. did something? Crazy, right? I know. I know. I mean, <laughs> here's what's <laughs> Thank you, John Jones, for making a slow news day a better news day. I mean, that was that was like the biggest joke, right? Like everybody was putting on Twitter. It was like, oh, look, I was sense of normalcy. Like John Jones got arrested, <laughs> you know? Oh, that's I was, bad. I was, I was joking with uh, our, our good buddy Oscar Willis from the Mac Life. I was like, I was like, look at John Jones. He took one for the team here, man. He knows <laughs> they were all bored and we got nothing to talk about. Right. So he went and got arrested just so we'd have some coverage. I'm like, this man is a saint. Yes. Uh, no, it's it's unfortunate. And I, I got to say, I mean, first off, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at this. First off, can you imagine, I mean, Dana White, the brass at the UFC, knowing what they're trying to do right now with UFC 249, knowing that they're trying yeah. their damnedest to make this thing happen, and then this pops up when everybody's supposed to be locked up in their homes. I mean, that had to be an absolute nightmare for UFC execs. And um, could have been worse. <laughs> well, you're right. It could have been. You know, worse. it was an isolated incident where it's just himself. It could have been a lot worse if there was somebody else. If there was a victim, then the UFC really has to step in. I That's can true. completely. So say, it's not like a DUI accident, or right? Something that would know, be even Dana. Worse. Uh, by it being uh, just John dealing with Dana can easily just say we're just going to let the legal process handle itself. You know, that has nothing to do with us. Uh, no one was harmed. You know, should he have been home? Yeah, sure. But he's not injured. Nobody got hurt. You know, and this is one of the things that always drives law enforcement and everybody crazy is that, you know, the the victimless crime, you right. know, like nobody's hurt. So it's not that bad. And, you know, and, and ultimately in the, in the, in the grand scale, of things it could have been much worse so you know i would agree with that now here here i would agree with that to a point now i'm saying we're, we're sitting here drinking a couple of frosty beverages so i'm, I'm hashtag the, frosty yeah, beverages hashtag frosty beverages i'm gonna be the last person to stand in judgment of, of john jones or anybody else for that matter and be like can you imagine that this gentleman went out and got intoxicated what is wrong I, i'm not that guy uh by the way uh aggravated uh DUI is what it's called, which uh, means that his legal limit uh, of alcohol was 0.16, which is twice over the legal limit of 0.08. Now, I will admit also, I don't even know what 0.16 means in terms of how it affects your body or or, or how That's drunk, quite a bit. quote unquote, you are at that point. In a lot of states, it's like 0. 0.08. Right. Zero, it's 0. 0.08. Which is like a beer. <laughs> it's 0. 0.08 in New Mexico. He was at 0. 0.16. Uh, but here's, what's, here's what, what uh, I don't know, what scares me a little bit, man. I mean... There was a gun in the car, and what started the whole report was a report of, of gunfire, of a shot fired. Now, he's saying uh, when the police came up to him and talked to him, he said, I have no idea what happened there. Um, and, and maybe he doesn't. I mean, the, 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 from what I understand, the gun was under the seat, um, and I, I don't even know if the, if the magazine was, was in it because they were listed as two separate items, so maybe they're apart. But, but I don't know. I, I just say – it would be one hell of a coincidence for a shot to be fired and a police officer to walk that way and, and just happen to find the, him. They said the police officer heard it? The police officer is who heard it and and, and went to investigate. It was not the, a call. It wasn't a report uh. of a gunshot. It was a police officer hearing a gunshot, um, and, and he went that way, and he happened to see Jones. 
um, that is scary. And yeah. and if if he was intoxicated, that's a bad timing on his part. That's what I'm saying. It's, I was gonna say it's either. I was gonna say it could be one hell of a coincidence. Maybe he had yeah. nothing to do with the gunshot whatsoever. Yeah. But if he did, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying he did. This is it's all under investigation. I, I don't fault the guy for being drunk. Now, drunk driving. Come on, man. Uh, and, and I'll I'll get to that in just a second. Drunk driving, of course. I don't fault the guy for going out and getting drunk. That's that's on him. But if he did fire a shot or was handling a firearm for any reason, that's that's bad. Yeah, well, tequila, mezcal, all that shit, man. You're a whole different. That's a whole different buzz, man. That's a whole different world. So I mean, you could temporarily lose your damn mind on some stuff like that. And uh, I, I will tell you, as a as a young youth growing up in my wilder, crazy days, I had plenty of times probably going out and getting drunk and every once in a while popping off some fucking rounds out of a car. Seriously? Yeah. I remember, uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, usually it was out in the middle of fucking nowhere. I mean, this is Ohio and you can what? drive out in other areas. Yeah, he's not in the middle of nowhere. He's yeah. in the middle of downtown Albuquerque. Yeah. It's not like he's even, I mean, you could go on the outskirts of Albuquerque and, and, and it's like Vegas. And he you probably would have did himself better if he did that way because it probably, he probably could have popped off a few rounds, released whatever pent up just energy that he had and it would have been no harm no foul right. but if you do it in an urban area that's that's pretty dumb in a very urban area um but yeah i mean i've done that but that's why when i heard this i i just laughed i was like dude i got that out of my system when i was like my teens bro like you're a grown-ass man like come on and again we don't know if he did fire the shot but i'm just saying that scares me i, I look, yeah i know i'm from texas so maybe you're like, all right everybody from texas i don't have a gun i don't own a gun yeah and i will be honest like guns scare me to a degree you know what i mean because i understand like you make a mistake with them, and they are lethal. And, sure. And, that, and then, and the, so to think of somebody like, I, hey, look, I get fairly intoxicated on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. But I don't handle firearms at the time, and that's again, we don't know if he did it, but if he did, that's great. And I, and I'll, and I'll tell but you, there are also different breeds of people. Like, I mean, like these these are fighters. These are adrenaline guys. These are guys that uh, push themselves to crazy limits. So the fact of being hopped up and and if you're in a, a crazy, wild, good, fun mood where you're on some mezcal or tequila or whatever, um, some people it's whiskey. You know, if you got that buzz and you just feel like you're just invincible and just having fun and then your brain just says, hey, man, let's just pop a couple rounds. And if there's no – if nobody's saying my property was damaged, if nobody was saying I was out walking and I heard something zoom by my head, more than likely it's just firing – Bro, you know, if John Jones' attorney is listening to this right now, he is going to be trying to get you on the, on <laughs> on the on the trial so bad. Like, bro, you should definitely. But this is definitely <laughs> this is coming from a guy that owns firearms and actually likes shooting them and stuff. But not that I I say I make it uh, like if for somebody to do this, it was very risky and very stupid or whatever. Yeah. But you know. Uh, well, here's the other. Here's the other. It thing just that, doesn't seem to me like he he lost his mind. He probably thought it was all good fun and just made an honest mistake and in the wrong yeah, place, trying, wrong time. Wasn't trying to shoot at somebody. Wasn't trying to shoot at somebody. Wasn't trying to damage right. something. We don't you know. know that, but you're probably you right. You don't know that. And, and like I said, you know, there's uh, it's all alleged, but uh, I'm just speaking for my own crazy youth and what I did in just in wild times. Well, here's here's the other thing that that, that I'm kind of dawns on me or occurs to me is that, you know, a lot of people are saying, like they've said every time he gets arrested, hey, Maybe this will be the thing that you know John makes John realize he's got to fix some things. He's yeah. got to change some things, and, and 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 that's all well and good. Of course, yes, we hope that this is the moment he has a realization. But he hasn't had a realization at this point. But here's here's what bothers me is that I think a lot of people probably when they say that what they're saying is, um, let's get his substance abuse under control. Let's get his alcohol abuse under control. 
to me, there's something else here, man, because, you know, the guy, I mean, it's been said almost jokingly, why don't you, why don't you pay for a driver? You know, why don't you pay for, I mean, obviously you could pay for Uber, but, you know, he doesn't want to do that. But at the very least, he can employ a driver full time. He has the means Imagine to Imagine your this. Uber driver yeah. just drinking your fucking bottle in the back. You're like, hold on, bro. Roll the window back. Roll the window down <laughs> real quick. Pop a cap. <laughs> pop a couple shots <laughs> off. Uh, you know. Is I, that I cool? Know. I'll give you five stars. It's just, I mean, I'll the give thing five is, stars. he could keep himself out of trouble by having a driver. And he can absolutely afford to do so. No question about it. He makes enough money to do that. Yeah, if it gets to the know, point just, where you can't not drink and go out and do something like, uh, yeah, you should probably employ. A I don't know, to me, it just seems like even more than just alcohol abuse. It's like he could sit at home and get hammered. You know what I yeah. mean? That's not hard. If it's really just like he's addicted yeah. to alcohol, he could sit at home and drink. I, I don't know, man. I, I he doesn't I, uh, seem like the homebody type. No, he doesn't seem like the homebody <laughs> type. I, I don't know, man. I just you know, especially right now, dude, in the middle of this. Yeah pandemic where everybody's well, supposed to be on lockdown especially when he was like around. he was like do your part or whatever his his instagram was the other day stay away stay away go well i mean he was by himself he's staying true to that he was by himself <sighs> bro he was you by himself definitely going to be <laughs> part of the jury on this thing man they're gonna find Let a way. the man go free they're he gonna was find just popping a way. off a few rounds <laughs> in fact the the uh he was just doing his part to order more ammunition from a local business that needs the business right now because no one's buying ammo at all. That's not true. That is not true at all. There is no <laughs> ammo available. You can't find ammo anywhere. Uh, it's funny you kept mentioning, uh, of course, the tequila mezcal. Uh, not to joke about this because obviously it is a very serious man. So it was mezcal, which there is a difference between. Yeah, it was El Recuerdo mezcal. All, uh, was, like all mezcal is a type of tequila, right? But all tequila is not mezcal. Is that correct? Uh, all tequila is made from the blue agave plant. Okay. Or from the agave plant, I should say. Not necessarily okay. the blue agave, but from the agave plant. And I don't believe that mezcal is. I think it is. I don't know the full differences. I'll look it up while you're talking. Right but now. anyway, I will say this: it was Jorge Masvidal's mezcal El Recuerdo, <laughs> and I, I did, I, I did say. It. But they have the same management group, so maybe this is why it didn't happen. But I, I would say it would have been pretty savage social media if Jorge Masvidal had literally just tweeted today, nothing else, no pictures, no nothing, no hashtags, just. Enjoy responsibly. <laughs> Says Mezcal, looking at Wiki, is distilled, and it is from uh, agave. The agave plant as well? Yeah. I think tequila has to come from a certain region or a certain it does. something it to, to be. The, that's right. It has to come from the state of Jalisco. Yeah, where whereas Mezcal is from agave, but can be from other I think you're right about places that. or something like that. I used but, to be educated, more educated on this when I was in the Mexican food business. Yeah, I do love me some tequila, man. But I like the I'm uh I like the silvers as opposed to the like aged more reposado yeah, where ones where they're more smoky. And yeah, it's like a little. Flavor to them. Yeah, it's got a different taste to it, like uh, silver Patron. Before I got on Jameson back in the day, silver Patron was my jam. Yeah, the añejos are more for sipping. The reposados, uh, you know, it's just they kind of in between. Yeah. The silvers are great for margaritas. You really don't want to do a margarita with a reposado or añejo because it, it does and injects that kind of woody smokiness yeah, into it which you don't want that you can certainly the shoot a silver though yeah you Ooh, can boy alright uh, <laughs> USC 249 I'm totally craving tequila now well we can make that happen <laughs> uh, USC 249 uh, is is the the big question right now and I'm sure everybody wants to know I'll be honest with you uh, I, I don't know where this thing is going to take place so, you know a, a lot of people uh, media other industry people man we've all been talking texting um, I've had a couple conversations with Dana uh, about it as well. He is being incredibly tight-lipped. Yeah. I'm just going to be out there. I, I have no idea. I, I can tell you that Dane – I mean, you don't need to hear this from me because I'm sure you've seen the IG lies and all those things. I mean, 
he's incredibly confident this thing is going to happen. Oh, yeah. um, I just have no idea where. I've, I've been told that there are options domestically. There are options internationally. I wish I had more news than that. By the time this thing comes out, you know, he, I know he wants to make an announcement this week. You know, maybe he'll make an announcement. Uh, but I'll just say right now, I, I have no idea where it is. Um, I will say I'm, I'm, I'm planning on going. Um, I had somebody ask me, somebody hit me up on Twitter and said, hey, are you planning on being there? Are you planning on going? To, you know, are you, are you worried? And and I will say this: uh, the way I stand right here, right now, uh, as of this Thursday evening that we sit down to record the show, as we always do, uh, I'm planning on being there, man. I'm planning on yeah. going to cover it. And well, the uh, whole country should be open by then, right? Oh, Easter. That's what Trump Easter's says. Easter's the week all, before that. Good. Should all it's be all open. Um, that I don't believe. I do believe that Trump would like to see that, and I do understand. I will actually say this. I do understand what Trump is saying about listen, the solution can't be worse than the problem. I mean. I think yeah. that kind of – it's a little callous, but it does kind of express a little bit what I've been saying all along is that, like, listen, we do have to find a way to carry on. Like, we can't yeah. pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. We can't believe – we can't pretend that life can be the same, yeah. but we do have to find a way to carry on. So I do understand that point. Yeah. I, I do we think have, being a little aggressive. we can't keep spending. We're spending a lot, and we're not bringing in – like, the economy can't spend out – non-stop without stuff coming in so the wheel at some point has to get going again i do agree with that i i don't know if easter's a little grass so I, I, here, here's what i'm saying is that i am i as of, as of now i'm planning on being there so that means that mma junkie will have full coverage of the event provided it happens i, I have been saying this though i, I will give you wipes. give me wipes <laughs> i have been saying this though i do throw out the caveat that this thing has changed the world so fast yeah. that I cannot even sit here and pretend like I know what the world is going to look like on April 18th. Um, so I've been kind of, you know, joking about it, saying if it looks like the walking dead out there and I'm being silly about it, but I, I will say I'm intending on being there. However, I do throughout the caveat that I will continue to monitor situations. And if I feel uncomfortable, then I'll have to tell my employer that I, that I feel uncomfortable because I, I mean, a, we don't even know where it's going right. to be yet. And B, we don't know where, you know, what that place is going to look like once we know where it is. Um, and you, you know, there's calls. There's calls to people say like shut down domestic travel, shut down whatever. I mean, if it gets to the point where they're like, "Sorry, we don't have TSA agents to put you through," we're not we're not operating flights. And depending on where it's at, what if that means okay, well, the offense going to be here. You have to drive yourself, you know, to X location. Yeah. I mean, like. We don't know what things are going to be like at that point. We we trust that it's going to be the same, but there are some still uh, some realities that might not, you know, presented themselves, and we don't right. even think about that. But if it comes to the point where they're like, "Sorry, sir, you can't have interstate travel in an air vehicle because we don't have air traffic controllers, um, we don't have TSA agents," you know, and we we just don't know what it's going to look like silly, at that point. I mean, and, and that might like normally if this was a month ago and you said that, I'd be like, that's the silliest it's thing ridiculous. I've ever heard. Now I'm going like, that could actually happen. Yeah. Don't that we still have like happen. a tower shut down at McCarran? I believe so. I think there's like a, a, a tower shut down. I was reading the other day about TSA agents that were affected. I mean, it's, uh, and I feel bad for those people because part of me is like, oh, we need some sense of normalcy. We still need to be able to go to the airport and go. But here I am telling them like you, sir, I want you to deal with thousands and thousands of traveler all day and have one of them possibly infected just so we can still have normal life, you know, and, and I feel bad for doing that. And it sucks for them uh, to be in that position because right. we it's want them fair. to be them. And it doesn't feel fair at it by any means. You know, I want to be able to say, 
go home. Like, let's just get rid of it. But once we start going down that right, I can feel you could feel the just the the doom and gloom that just feels like it's at arm's reach for us that we are so close for things to really our whole life to really change. It's already changed a lot. And it just feels like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop and have it to get really bad when they just say, folks, stay home, you know, uh, 30 days, come back out. If if you're not going to the grocery store or to get gas or to whatever, you're not allowed to leave your house, you know, and uh, it's scary. It's weird, man. And it still could happen. It's weird. <laughs> I know. It still could happen. It still could happen. So a lot could happen between now and USC 249, but I, I will say I've said all along, I, I do – I mean, look – the world has changed. Uh, if we go to 249, uh, certainly going to have to be incredibly aware of, of social distancing and sanitation and and, and, and as we travel, right? No yeah. question about it. On fight week, uh, media day. I don't know. Will we even have a media day? At the very least, we're going to make sure we're at least six feet away from the fighters. We're going to make sure we're It'll probably be media out. scrums. Out. They would have scrums to be, right? Be gone. Put, put a, or just be bulk scrums. Yeah. Like where you put your mic stand so the the, the – the people, the media is at least three or four feet in front of the mic stand. The fighters behind it. There's your six feet of distance. And then we're gonna have to not no one on one shoulder to shoulder. Know? Yeah, no one on ones. Yeah, we can't be shoulder to shoulder in the scrum. We're gonna have to spread out a little bit. You know, we're gonna have to change. The, I mean, place your cameras and back away. That's it, man. We're gonna have to be careful about this stuff. I mean, we're yeah. really gonna have to do that. So, I, I again, it's crazy. That is what I say. I, the, I do think we have to find a way to carry on, but I do think we have to also realize that we can't carry on in the way we were. Because that's not, yeah. you know, all these these recommendations that are being made, they're they're not crazy. Like they're they're legitimate, real recommendations. Imagine you're there on fight week. The fighters in the UFC office sitting in front of a laptop. You guys are all there on site or in the hotels, all using your laptops to connect in. Like everybody's doing, doing like the Zoom, Zoom, yeah, and the huge like thing. I could see where that would that would be a way that they'd be like, okay, we can still provide interviews, but at that point, you don't even need to be there. Well, I was just gonna say maybe that changes it to the fact that we're like media doesn't go to events anymore. Like maybe yeah. there is no need for media to be. I mean, if they're willing to do that and set it up, I mean, now granted, the moderation of of who's asking a question and when that yeah. gets difficult over Zoom. Uh, yeah. I'm sure everybody's seen the social media clip of the poor woman that went to go pee while she was on the business meeting. That was that. awesome. <laughs> That was I mean, so awesome, so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's made. I mean, so I mean, there's there like, would who be doesn't problems. just walk away from your computer if you have to go, just walk away. <laughs> like, no. like she was like, I there could be some, the there could be some great stuff that is. I don't want to miss one bit of this meeting. Uh, Literally, I wouldn't. I would never think about dragging my laptop in there. If I had to go no, to the restroom, I'm just going to go to the right restroom. Back. I'll yeah. be right back. People will just see your empty chair for a second, but. She went ahead and decided we could see everything. God bless her. Uh, God bless so yeah, her. she looked are, good too. Oh, I was like, thank you. It could have been worse. <laughs> you know, I'd rather people would rather see her on the shitter than me. <laughs> Not pretty. I can guarantee you that is true. Uh, so that yeah, that's that's two forty nine. Like I said n- nothing really. Unfortunately, uh, revelations there. Like I said, I've but I've we had still a couple plan times. like it's happening. Everybody behind the scenes of the UFC is planning like this thing is happening. They're confident. Dane is confident. Um, I just have no idea where it's going to be. And, and, and for the time being, I'll tell you, I'll be there. Junkie will have full coverage. Um, if thing, if the world changes between now and then, which it absolutely could, uh, I, I will change it. I did want to say one other thing about this whole uh, carrying on with the schedule and people getting ready. I do think, you know, and we've all been talking to a lot of fighters. I mean, uh, 
look, man, at MMA Junkie, we've had to embrace new technology this week, which has actually been good. You know that yeah. you've been you've been helping out all the uh, the writers on the staff interview people. Um, everything's been done. You know, we said Zoom. This is another type of software that we're using, um, where we're doing kind of a video conferencing type yeah. thing. The, the the radio guys have done it. Danny Segura has done it. I think Mike Bond is scheduling some stuff. Farrah Hanoon has done, done it. I mean, everybody. Nolan's done it. Nolan's done it. We're we're yeah. all taking part in it, right? So it's cool. I mean, we're 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 staying in touch with these fighters, but. What I wanted to say is that, like, as we continue to talk to these fighters, and again, I think all of us want to talk about MMA, but you have to talk about coronavirus and and how it's affecting people and how people are preparing for fights. And it is very clear that you know it's impacting everyone. Everyone's having to make decisions of how yeah. they prep and how they they get ready. And I want to say that uh, I think as we move forward, assuming that the UFC does get back to full schedule, like uh, like Dana White is promising, that you can't apply a blanket rule to everybody of like, well, I think that dude's weak because he didn't fight. Or I think what I'm saying in particular, Aljamain Sterling has made it clear. He's like, dude, I'm not taking a fight right now. There was a report that he was fighting Corey Sanhagen and we know the USC was trying to put that fight together. And Aljamain has said, look, I'm not taking a fight right now. Like yep. I can't get to my gym. Um, and, and, and why would I do that? And then you got other people like Gilbert Burns who's saying like, dude, I'll fight anybody, everybody. And, and, and you're a bitch if you're not taking fights. I, the one thing I will say, I think it's very, you know, first of all, it's up to each individual yeah. and their comfort level. You know what I mean? Just how they feel. That's that's important. And the other thing, too, is that, I mean, Al Jermaine especially is in that tricky situation where he's worked his way up to, like, damn near number one contender status, and it's been a battle to get there. And he is in such a delicate position of, if I lose a fight right now, how far do I set myself back financially? How far do I change my career Versus, yeah. you know, other people that are just like, hey, I kind of want to fight right now. So, I don't. I, I guess what I'm saying is I would encourage everybody right now, if we are lucky enough to get going again, if we are lucky enough to, to get the schedule back in full strength, to not hold a blanket rule for or against anybody that says, I want to fight, I don't want to fight. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's got to be an individual situation. And I think, you know, normally, oh, that dude's ducking so-and-so or that dude's not. Nah, man, right now. I think you got to give anybody a pass that says, hey, yep. it's, this is just not the right situation for me. I agree. And I think you have to understand we even heard – when you we heard audio of when Dana gave his speech to the employees when they were starting to embrace the fact of this is happening. If you guys want to go home, you can. Were we supposed but to you, say that? You don't really need to. <laughs> well, I did. It's not like I'm playing it. I don't care. Whatever. We heard the audio. Uh, I thought we were just going to say we were told how yeah, it Yeah, fuck it. We heard it. <laughs> but if he's telling his employees and he's kind of giving it to the internal people, like, you guys need to be here. Imagine what he's telling a bunch of independent contractors. Right. You guys have to be here, you know. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I agree with the fact that it should be a decision that should be up to the fighters whether they're comfortable or not, because I want the same decision on myself. Mm -hmm. If somebody says, hey, we have an event to cover, and somebody says, we need to cover this, are you comfortable? I want to have that right to say, I'm not comfortable, or right. I'm comfortable as well. And these guys, just like anybody else that's a human being, should have that decision and shouldn't have any uh, repercussions or bad thoughts about Don't it. Judge you know? Don't, Don't judge Don't judge. It's a, it's a shitty time right now. And this is life or death, folks. Life or death. This is not a matter of... Hey, are you are you a hundred percent or not? And you want to fight? This is you have real. There's real consequences, so and if you have real people, other people in your life, if you're not a hermit like me for the most part, and you have people in your life, uh, 
you have people you have to watch out for. You got to you got to be smart about it. So uh, no, we shouldn't be judging these fighters or or anybody if they're if they're not comfortable and they want to uh, they want to shelter themselves and be safe and and be smart about it. Because what we realize, this is not a hoax. This is not Correct. a political game that one party is playing to affect the other. I mean, like, this is real stuff, real life or death. So uh, who am I to, to, to try to force some fighter to do something for my entertainment? I mean, I appreciate it because it helps my job that we have something sure. to do. But in the Not same... to mention just our sanity of having yeah. something to do. But imagine if somebody was like, hey, this is going on. It'd be like telling every video guy, I know you're video capable. There's a war going on and wherever, and you have to go do this because your skill set puts you in the right uh, yeah. the right state that you USA could be, Today you could has be transferred you to the news division, and we need you yeah. on a battlefield. Go. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm good. Actually, I kind of am kind of into that. But uh, <laughs> I would want to have that decision, you know. That's it. That's all I say. Is <laughs> if anybody turns down a fight right now or pulls out of a fight, do not judge them. Do not let no. that be an asterisk on their career. Don't let it be something on their reputation, yeah. man. Put yourselves in their shoes. If your employer told you – I mean, some people are being forced to do it depending on what your jobs are. I mean, and that's probably good. But in this day and age, I can see where some people are like, just be grateful you have a job and you're doing because we're at the highest unemployment we've ever had. Crazy. But this is still – Remember, this is entertainment. These folks are doing this for our entertainment. This is the, what they choose to do. Uh, they are not obligated. These are not the people that are making sure we have food products and that making sure that um, you know medical supplies are happening and things like that. Not they're not doing that sort of stuff. I mean, this is purely an entertainment sport. You know, mm -hmm. let them let them make the decisions. And who am I to to put anything else on them? Completely agree. All right, listen. Should say if you like what you're hearing, do us a favor, man. Make sure wherever you get your podcast at, uh, especially if it's the uh, the Apple application, because that's what I use. Make sure you're logged into it. They make should sure. pay you for how much you push it I to know, the Apple. I know. It's the only one I use, and that's where I read the reviews. So that's why I don't, <laughs> I don't go to the other ones. But make sure you subscribe. Uh, make sure you, you, you rate us if you can. Five stars, of course. We certainly appreciate it, or whatever the highest is on wherever you use it. And if, if you got some extra time, do us a favor and leave us a little bit of feedback, man. It would mean a lot to us. You could be like Pat Gilmartin, who said, two pros. Thank you for the years of podcasts. Every week without fail. Always a great primer for upcoming fights and great recaps when the and a half episodes. Thanks again. So, so glad cold coffee is on the mend. Aww. Cheers, guys. Well, thank so, you, Pat. Not only great feedback, that. recognizing that we have done this for 261 consecutive weeks, never taking a single week off. I appreciate that. And then also willing you back to health after I, your that, uh, intensive surgery. That's my extra favorite person right now. And Pat, I wonder if you're related to a Kelly Gilmartin that I went to high school with. She was cute. <laughs> Kudos to you, Pat. You're probably a very, like, very good-looking. You're up. probably a good. In, you're probably a very good-looking individual. Then <laughs> he's like, "Did you sleep with my sister?" Uh, and I, I should. Say, <laughs> I should say, by the way, if you really like the show, do us a favor: step your game up. Go to Patreon.com/slash The MMA Roadshow. Help us out. You can uh, you can join for. There's, we got three different levels there for you. You can join up for just three dollars a month. You could be a roadie, and at that point, you get access to all uh, extra content that we got over there, including it's the exclusive home of the and a half. <laughs> well done, sir. Well I just done, don't do sir. it. I don't do it as well. And a half. Well done. It's an exclusive home of that. Now, of course, 
we're not going to have many of those uh, right now. But we did have one after Cage Warriors 113, so that one's Thank up there. Thank you, Cage Warriors. But once the UFC schedule gets going again, if UFC 249 happens as we're expecting it, that's where it'll be. We're also doing some other stuff over there. We're doing some additional content, taking some taking some deep dives through our, through our archives, our old hard drives, and sharing some stories. Uh, be doing yeah, some I got one coming up now that the footage has resurfaced. <laughs> yep, yep. We got some, we got some things in, uh, some, some history lessons. I'm going to be sharing some fights. I'll, in fact, I'll share you something uh in just a little bit uh that, that i'm gonna have on uh, patreon.com as well so there, there's fun stuff over there that's the that's the community just three dollars a month you can join there's also a five dollar and a ten dollar level and let me just say if you take those highest levels uh we appreciate you we'll, we'll do everything for you at that point you're basically directing the show at that point you tell us what you want you tell yeah. us what topics you want discussed what questions you want to ask we'll we'll do it so uh, yeah we're gonna do some hopefully some live qas for some of the yeah. upper tiers here soon now that we've been embracing more of the uh technology stuff so f- for some of you uh, upper tiers you're gonna have some good shit coming your way soon that's what's up so think about that we really appreciate it. all right listen let's get to a, a couple of interviews uh obviously with not nearly as much news uh in the mma world as a normal week, I, I did a couple lengthier interviews, and hopefully everybody's okay with that. The first one I did, uh, I reached out to Andre Feely. He's got a uh, a movie coming out uh, here in just a couple did of weeks. Did you get touchy-feely with him I mean, I when you touchy reached feely. out? I reached out, got touchy-feely uh, with Andre Feely. He's uh, going to be in a movie, Green Rush, uh, which is, uh, by the way, I have a little tiny speaking part in it. Basically, there's just like some voiceover work that's in there, so you'll you'll actually hear my voice in there. Uh, our boy Rick Lee. <laughs> they were probably recording in the neighbor next door over at the neighborhood next they're door. Like, well, and they're like, there. I hear Morgan. <laughs> it's there. We might as well, <laughs> might as well throw credit. Uh, Rick Lee was one of the writers on there. Uh, so he used to work with MMA Junkie as well, a good friend of the show. Uh, he was part of this process as well. But uh, Andre Feely plays, uh, what is this character's name? Diego Beltran, who Ooh. he described as a – uh, what did he t- a weed uh, sketchy weed trimming cousin is what he <laughs> described it as. But, That's awesome. Uh, but uh, here's that the- would be the most awesome like title name like in, on IMDb like weedy sketchy cousin. Guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said, "I'll read you the the plot." It says. The documentary chronicles the struggle of a unique group of marijuana farmers in Northern California over the course of an entire outdoor grow season. They remain subject to harassment and arrest by federal law enforcement agencies. So it's a, you know it's about the weed business, yeah. which Canvas, Andre Felix might Canvas. know a thing or two about. Uh, but uh, I wanted to talk to him about that and then just kind of get caught up, find out how he's dealing with all this crisis stuff, and then uh, talk about his career as well. Probably by I, smoking some weed. He was probably a little bit of weed. Uh, <laughs> he he, uh, he was certainly uh, angry after his uh, loss of Sadiq Yusuf, man. I remember how frustrated he was. So anyway, just want to get caught up with him in his career. Here is uh, Andre Feely. What's up, brother? I'm doing good, man. How you doing, bro? Yeah, yeah, I'm just chilling, man. I'm just chilling back up with my dog and my baby sister. Spent the night, a couple nights. We've just been hanging out, watching movies, so. We're just chilling. I dig it. I dig it. Well, I was I was uh, wondering if you still talk to MMA media, man. I thought you'd only speak to Hollywood media now, man. The movie's about to come out, yeah. right? You gotta you gotta go yeah, big dude. time. Yeah, people change, man. So you know, you guys gonna have to start talking to my agent, my manager, my, your people are gonna have to get in contact with my people. <laughs> are you excited though, man? I mean, I, I mean, I know that you know it's not like your life's ambition to be an actor, but to finally see this thing come out and people see it is it is it kind of exciting for you? Oh, it's definitely my life's ambition to be an actor, dude. Fuck around and do a couple more movies, you'll never see me fight again. No, I have a lot of things I want to do in fighting still. Like, I, I'm going to be a world champion at some point. You know, I'm, I'm working my ass off towards that. Um, there's, there's, there's goals I want to accomplish. I have a lot to prove. Um, 
you know, had a rocky couple years and found my footing a little better. So I, I got a lot to prove in the sport still. But um, acting is definitely something I want to do after I'm done fighting um, or even at the same time, maybe towards the end. Um, but it is exciting, you know, like it. Yeah, it's exciting. It's 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 a step in, in in a in a direction for me for sure. I've I've always wanted to do movies, and so getting to do my first one is like it was exciting. But it's even more exciting that now people get to see it. You know, it's like finally like because it's cool that you do a movie, but like no one can watch it. You know, it's like you're just like I did a movie, but like no no one no one having seen it. You know, no one. Right. Like it doesn't really matter and stuff. It doesn't really matter until people watch it. Basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. No. No. I get that. I get that. So it's funny. I I, I didn't know. I mean, uh, it, it it's hilarious. I think you told us, you know, when you filmed it, that you basically starred as a a sketchy weed trimming cousin was the way you called it. Uh, but I didn't know you wanted to be an actor. I mean, did this thing? I mean, did this thing kind of light that fire in you, or or this was just you kind of getting to a goal? Yeah. No. I've always wanted to act. I really love acting. Um, I. I did drama in high school. Uh, I was not at all like a drama kid. Like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like a, the, your typical drama kid. I was like out running around getting in trouble and like getting in fights and stuff, but I really like enjoyed acting. And like, so I did drama in school until, until it got to the point where you had to try hard. And like, I just wasn't trying hard at any, I wasn't trying hard in school and also I stopped doing drama. I basically stopped doing everything in school, but I, I always loved acting. I always wanted to act. And, uh, it was always something. It was always something that I that I wanted to do. That's cool, man. So, did you do like plays and stuff like that? I mean, uh, that, I, no, no, I never, I never did any plays. I never like, like I said, I was like, as much as I liked doing stuff in high school, I also liked not trying that hard, and I was kind of a punk ass little kid, so I didn't pursue it really very seriously. But it's something I've always wanted to do. It's like something that has always been on my list to do, and um, now I got to do it. So it's it's. Yeah, that's cool. Is it easy? Is it hard? What's uh, what's the process like? Dude, it's easy. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> so no one's punching you, and no one's punching you in the face or kicking you in the head, dude. It's so easy. Like it's definitely long days, and it's a little intimidating um, because I was around a bunch of very legit actors, and I'm not a legit actor yet. You know, I'm, I'm, I just didn't want to be the guy that sucked. You know, I right. want to be the the actor. They, I don't want to be the fighter guy they brought in and that that that, that blew it. You know, yeah. So, uh, so, you know, there was, there was definitely some, like, moments where you were, like, I had to take it real serious, you know, and I had to really, like, I had to put a lot of effort into it, but it was it was always fun, and it was always pretty easy, you know? And it's also one of those things where, like, it's the same as making music. Like, even, even, even when you're doing it, you obviously don't want to fuck it up, but even if you do fuck up, like, no one's going to knock you out. You know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna, no one's gonna take half your money for like. There's no judges that are gonna fucking see the fight wrong and take half your money. You know, like right. there's no the, the consequences of fucking up when you're making music or or doing movies or anything else is so much less than fighting. That after fighting, it sort of gives you this like freedom to just not be afraid to fail. That's awesome. So is it the same thing with like nerves or whatever? I mean, like everybody gets nervous before a fight. I'm, I imagine you'd get nervous on set, but is it? Is it that way? Like, dude, this like, what's the worst that could possibly happen here? Yeah, basically, you know, like you're just, you know, you take it serious and you like do the work and you make sure that you're ready for the, the scene that you're about to do or that you like, you make sure you've done your homework and then you just fucking do your best and you, you kind of pick up on cues from other people. It's the same thing as everything else. Like you just, you just have fun. Like I just, if I'm doing something, I'm, I'm having fun with it. I'm not, 
I'm not I'm not tripping on it too much. Besides fighting, fighting is fun and also fucking nerve wracking. <laughs> Acting is fun and there's only a little bit of nerves. But. Sorry, my mom just came to pick up my little sister, and she brought her. I have a bulldog, and she brought her bulldog over, and it's just fucking chaos in my house right now. So I'm trying to do this interview right now, so, but also like make sure my dude. Two, it's like two bulls in a china shop, dude. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Oh, you need you need you need to walk away for a second. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. Cool. Well, talk, man, you talk about your fighting career. I mean, uh, training right now. I mean, this is a weird world we're in right now, right? Being kind of locked up and told to stay home yeah. are, are, are you able to train or do anything at all right now um yeah we've been doing little park workouts little small like small groups hold on one second sorry all right, all right be safe all right. uh yeah i'm doing little i'm doing little park workouts with with uh with my with a couple teammates you know and just kind of getting outside because it feels good you can't be cooped up too much but man to be honest i'm making sure i get training sessions in every day but to be honest dude like I fucking love quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fucking dream come true, dude. Oh, like I don't, I don't, I don't want anyone to hear this. Think that I'm taking the, the the coronavirus lightly. Like, yeah, I, I don't want. I hope everyone's doing okay, and I hope that everyone heals up. And it, it's it's honestly it's tragic. It's horrible for sure. But the way that it's affected me thus far, I I have zero complaints, dude. Like I I. I'm just shamelessly binge watching shows and movies that have been on my list for years. I'm reading, I'm catching up on the stacks of comic books I have. I'm just sitting in my backyard drinking coffee, playing with my dog, like, and it's just completely acceptable for me to stay home and do nothing. And honest to God, dude, dream come true. It is like dream come true, dude. I will say this, man. It's weird. Like, uh, I'm I'm with you 100, percent right? Like, I don't want anybody to think I don't realize how serious this stuff is, but. Like all being forced to slow down a little bit and just kind of, just kind of chill. Like for me, it's with my wife and my kid. I mean, it's a lot, yeah. you know, that we're together like twenty four seven. But I don't know. Like there is something kind of cool about it. Like just get, getting to slow down a little bit. Dude, people, people would think about like think about if I asked you six months ago, like what would you like? How stoked would you be if I went? Hey, dude, just take two weeks. Just take two weeks guilt free and hang out with your family. Yeah. You would be so stoked on that. You'd be so stoked on it. Like, it's 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 fucking awesome. Like, I, for the last week, I've done nothing but hang out with my dog, watch movies. Heck, I've gotten to hang out with my little sister, which I don't really get to do very much. I've gotten to read a bunch of comic books. I've, I've still trained, like, once a day, gotten, gotten cardio in, gotten road work in. And then I come home and just kick it. I go to the park. Like, I'm... I'm we do workouts at the park. It's like me and my buddies from the team. We still work out at the park. I skate the mini ramp a little bit. I run around with my dog. Like, it's... Literally, it's it's been so. Everyone's friendly. Everyone is like on edge, but also they're like, "Wow, like this is really nice to just not have to fucking do anything." Yeah. Like you know, yeah. that's great. And, and it, it was scary for a while, like walking to the grocery store and and seeing people stock up and seeing people get all. Take them all. Uh, it was scary seeing people. Like, you know, hoard stuff, and you could sort of feel the level of hysteria. You know, yeah. you feel the, like, doomsday prepper and everybody kicking in, and, like, you could just feel the, the panic, and it was scary, man, and it was sad to see, and, and you know, I was worried about, you know, I make, I make decent money now fighting, especially for a single dude with no kids, but, you know, there's families out there that can't physically, they don't have the means to, to stock up for the next couple of weeks, you know, and, and yeah. so I was worried about how that was going to go for people, and but I feel like at least where I'm at, 
first wave of hysteria kind of subsided. Yep. And then everybody just kind of, everybody just kind of like went and breathe and, and breathed out. And it's like, oh, so we're just hanging out. Like, as, as long as they don't declare martial law or some spooky shit happens, like, we're just hanging out. Like, we're just hanging out at home. Like, my sister is basically on summer vacation forever. Like, <laughs> like it's really, it's, it's really pretty fucking rad, man. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. It's it was scary at first, but I think I think we're all kind of settling in and, and finding a way to survive in it, man. So it's not bad. Talking about um your, your training, man. I mean, obviously, I know you're Team Alpha Male for life. What's uh what's the setup over there now, man? How how are things going? I know that I mean, not necessarily just during this pandemic thing, but I mean, uh, like Uriah is busy and stuff. He's always been like not necessarily the head coach, but the leader. But I know he's got a family now and he's yeah. got businesses and stuff. I mean, is he still a big presence in the gym, or how does the how how does the coaching structure work and all that? Yeah, yeah, your eyes there, your eyes there every day, dude. I mean, wow. every single day, your eyes at the gym, unless he's out of town, which you know he, he is out of town somewhat frequently. But I mean, he'll get. I've seen him get off the plane and go straight to the gym. You know, like he he's he's at the gym probably still more than fucking anybody really. Like he he's still a huge presence in the gym. Uh, he's still rolling it. You just do classes. He's still you know he's still running practices occasionally. You know, he he's just such a part of the the team. He's always on the mats, man. Um, it's now he usually has his little daughter in his arms. You know, it's the same thing with Castillo. Like sometimes, sometimes Castillo's little son will be in there. You know, and like it's it, it's the same as it always was, man. It's like it's such a weird thing to see everything. Everything like everything is cyclical. Every everything is just it's just flowing. Like like I was a little bro and. And Faber and Castillo were, were the big were the, were the big guys right. like they were the big name guys and like and now they moved on to being they they retired from fighting and their dads and coaches and and businessmen and like now I have the young kids coming up to me asking me for advice which is still <laughs> kind of fucking weird which is still weird to me I'm like shit I just figured things out like barely started figuring things out like a couple even not even all of it just a couple things like recently but people are coming up to me like the young guys are asking me for advice and there's new kids getting in the ufc and like now i'm like the big bro all of a sudden and i'm like it's just cool to see this thing that Faber's built and maybe it sounds kind of corny to people but it's like it's this thing that's that's like bigger than any of us it's it's like Faber's such a core part of it like without Faber, there isn't team alpha obviously but like without him there would have never been the team but I would say, like, at this point, even without him or without Danny or without me or without Chad or without any, any name of person, you know, like, it's bigger than, than any one of us. Mm-hmm. Like, if if Faber left the gym for good right now, and was just like, hey, I have no interest in being on the mats for whatever reason. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do this other thing. Like, there would still be a bunch of young, hungry kids every day at 930. Every morning, they'd be there on the mats working, you know? And that that is, like... I think that's a real testament to like what Faber's built and you know what we've all sort of helped contribute to is like there's this thing that's bigger than any of us and I don't I, and there's a lot of other great fight teams but I don't I don't and I can't speak on them because I don't I've never really been there but I don't know if if the other teams are really like that like I don't know if the head of another team left if it would still keep operating if there would still be if it would still mean enough to everyone that. Then it would it would keep rolling, and I know that Team Alpha would, man. I know like it means so much to so many people, and you know it all starts with Faber, but really it's something that I feel like we all kind of carry. 
That's awesome, man. So um, talk about your own career, man. Uh, you know, obviously you came up short last time out. And uh, I, I don't know, yeah. man. I mean, I, I know nobody likes to lose, and you're, you're definitely not one that likes to lose. But I remember seeing you leave the cage that night. You just looked especially pissed off to me that night, man. What uh, what, what kind of went through your head? What would you take out of that fight, man? I don't know, man. It was, that, that one hurt bad. Uh, that one hurt bad, dude. Um, I can't lie. I'm not, I can't, like, pretend, like, oh, yeah, you know, you learn more from your losses. Like, man, fuck all that, dude. That hurt bad. I, I, I've learned a lot from the loss, for sure, but it, that hurt bad, man. Um, I thought I won. Uh, I thought I won the fight, uh, but I also know, like, I had a better fight in me, and had I just fought to my potential, it wouldn't have been, you know, had, had, there, had the whole fight looked like the third round, that um, there wouldn't have been any doubt, you know, there wouldn't have been any judges fucking it up or, or anything like that. So, you know, had I finished the fight, um, there would have been any, there wouldn't have been any, any Bullshit, you know, so, uh, that, you know, and that's on me, like, that's on anyone else. That's the thing about fighting is that the finality of it, you know, like, I really believe that I won that fight. I really believe I won that fight, but now forever, the the, the, the record book will always just say, like, I lost, like, I lost that fight. Um, she won't say, oh, I probably actually won round one and three, or like, oh, a lot of people told me it was a robbery, or like. Like, none of that shit matters, you know? It's just, like, the record says that I lost. And dealing with that finality is hard as a fighter because, like, you put your heart and soul into this shit, you know? And and then you got to, like, you got to just face the fact that you put all this, you put everything you have into this thing and it didn't work out. And uh, it's fucked, man. It hurts bad. Um... It still sounds adjustment. fresh. It still sounds fresh. It doesn't sound like you quite moved past it yet. Dude, I, I, I man, uh, it, yeah, it feels fresh still. Like it hurts, you know. It hurts like I that one especially because I had a lot of traction going into that fight, you know. And people only give a fuck about your last fight. They only give a fuck about like how the the number of the win streak. They only care. Like man, to be honest, people are shallow. People don't. People aren't real, like, there's very few real fight fans. There's very few real, like, people who understand the sport. People want a big number next to a little number. They want a big win streak. They want a, they want a big win streak. They want, uh, you know, like, people who, who watch. It's like people, it's like, like, uh, like I remember being in high school and <clears throat> my best friend was, was a diehard Golden State Warriors fan and they fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, like yep. he, I'd never seen anyone. I'd never seen anyone wear. I'd never in Sacramento, at least, never seen another person wear a Warriors jersey like the ever. And then all, of, and then within the last couple of years, they were just like this incredible team. And you couldn't, you basically couldn't, you like everything. Everything Warriors was sold out everywhere because they were good. You know, people are shallow. People only give a fuck about a winner, and so. You know, it sucks to get this traction to go to to be coming off a fight like uh, beating a guy like Miles Jury, who you know I think Miles Jury's a really underrated guy. He was a top fifteen guy forever. And I beat him, uh, I thought pretty handedly, uh, and then I knocked out Shaman Moraes, who's a really dangerous striker who'd never been finished in my hometown. It was the best time of my life thus far. I'm going into this league fight, 
and I'm excited to prove everyone wrong because they think Sadiq's going to knock me out. They think his power. They think this. He's an up-and-coming kid. Um, you know, and, and I was so ready to win that fight, and I didn't perform the way I should have. And I still think I won the fight, but the judges didn't. And it's just, yeah, man, it, it fucking... It, 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 I feel like unless you unless you unless you chase something and put your entire your entire like soul into it and then come up short, it's hard to understand the way that losing the fight hurts like that, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But I'm excited to fight again, dude. I'm, I love this shit. You know, like I'll do this shit until I can't, I, I just, uh, I, I want to, I want to make good on my potential. I want to, all the people who invested in me and, and have stood by me and who see, who see the potential I have and see that I'm, the, I'm a world champion, like caliber fighter, that I have the potential to be. Uh, sorry, my dad, my dog's over there crying. <laughs> uh, he's over there whining. The timing was perfect. Uh, come on, dude, you're making us look bad. Stop being soft. Uh, uh, yeah, man. The 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 people who stood by me, who invested in me, I want to make that investment worthwhile. You know, for them and for myself. Like, I just want to get back in there and get a win and. Uh, I don't know, man. I just want to get back in there and get a win. I, I, if you would have told me when I was 19, and when I was 19, I wanted to be the greatest fucking fighter that ever lived, especially for the small guys. You know, like oh, I saw Faber coming up, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be the next that. Like, I'm going to be the next guy in the small in a smaller weight class that just fucking cleans house. That like is the man. Like, walks in a room and everybody knows he's the best motherfucker. Like, I want to be one of the greatest fighters that's ever, fighters that's ever lived. And if you'd have told me at 19 that I would be 30 years old and I'd be 20 and seven in the UFC. Like I would just be in most people's eyes. I'd just be a mid tier UFC guy. I would be devastated. Dude. Like me, like when I turned pro at 19 hearing, if you had a time machine to go back and tell me where I'd be right now, like that kid would be devastated, dude. And that's, I mean, that's, that's basically who I am. So I'm still that 19 year old kid. I'm trying to fucking, I'm just chasing my dream, man. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to make it happen. And, you know, I'm going to, but but the road is – it's a hard road, man. It's a hard way to make a living. Yeah, no doubt about it. I was going to say, I mean, do you allow yourself at least a little bit of joy to be like, man, I am competing at the highest level of sport. I mean, that's obviously no offense to the other organizations out there, but everybody wants to be in the UFC, man. I mean, it's it's the highest level, and you are here, and you're an established commodity. I mean, does that does that bring you any joy at all to say, okay, even if I'm not number one – I mean, I'm 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 a hell of a lot, you know, further along than I was at night as that 19 year old kid. Uh, nah, man, not really. Doesn't I mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound ungrateful. Like I've worked for literally every single thing I have. Like every whatever financial stability I have, whatever happiness I have in my life, I fucking bled for. Like I've, I've fighting is all I've ever done. Like I've fought for everything I have, and I'm thankful that it's worked out. And I'm thankful that I'm not in jail or working some dead end job, which is statistically where I should be like I'm thankful for the UFC I'm thankful for all the things I have in my life I'm thankful to, to be where I'm at and that it worked out and that my hard work paid off to a certain degree but I don't really take any like I don't feel really anything about like being in the UFC just being in the UFC or just being a guy like like we talked about before when I'm making music like it's fun man like I'm on stage and I'm I'm putting my energy and my heart and my soul into it but like if everyone thinks I fucking suck at music, like that's okay. I do suck at music. Like I'm not, <laughs> a good, I'm not a good musician, dude. I'm cool with it. 
I'm good. I'm good. At, I don't care. Like I'm good with sucking at music. I, I like every day we go to the park this last quarantine week and I'm training. There's a little mini ramp there, a little skate park. And I skate the mini ramp and I fucking suck at skating, but I love skating. <laughs> just like I, but I do, but I just do suck. Like there's 12 year olds there that are just shredding and I'm like dropping in and like rock the fakie and like tail stall. And like, I'm like, I'm like one or two tricks and like, all right, cool. I'm going to hop off. Now. Like, like, <laughs> like I have 12 year olds literally showing me up. Like, like I, I same thing with acting. I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, I, I mean, I care. Like I, I don't want to suck, but I don't care that like, I don't care that people aren't like, oh, he's the, he's the best actor I've ever seen. Like, I got time to do that. That's not my life's work. Like, I got a long time to make that happen. Like, fighting, dude, fighting's all I've ever wanted to do my whole life. It's all I've ever wanted to do. Like, my whole entire fucking life, I loved fighting. When I was a little kid, I wouldn't watch cartoons if they didn't have fighting. Like, I would, like, I watched Batman. I watched, I'd watch fucking, uh, I'd watch X-Men. I'd watch Ninja Turtles because they were all punching and kicking. I wouldn't watch magic school bus because there was no fighting like all i cared about was little kids fighting but i would I, I all i cared about was fighting and then i saw the i saw the ufc for the first time and i was like that's it that's what i'm gonna do like i knew it like 13 i was like that's what i'm gonna do like that's all i'm gonna do so i don't care about sucking at shit that i actually do suck at like whatever i don't give a shit like i fight people for a living like that's all i care about so it, it, it's like it's the thing you give a shit about the most if you're not the best in the world at that, like, what the fuck is the point? You know, like that's, that's my thought process. Like I'm trying to be the best in the world at fighting. And I believe that I am, but I, you know, I'm excited to go prove it. I just want to, I just want this coronavirus to go away so I can, I can go fight people and get some wins on my record. <laughs> so I was going to say, I mean, I guess we're kind of in a state of uh hold pattern right now, but I mean, what's, what what's the idea? Where, where do you want the journey to continue, man? Are you eyeing a, a date or a location or, or an opponent? I mean, what? Uh, how, how do you want this thing to get back in gear? Uh, I'm trying to get on that May 16th card in San Diego if that still happens, which I really hope to God it happens because um, it's nice and close to home. San Diego's a dope city. Um, California fans are the fucking best. Um, I don't really give a shit about an opponent, man. I just want to fight the best guys in the world, like. I genuinely just want to fight the best guys in the world, and I want to beat them. <laughs> I want I want to get my hand raised. I want to show I want to show everybody and show myself like I'm the I'm the best 45 in the world. Like I really believe that, and I know people will hear this and roll their eyes, and I know that people will like fucking comment and talk shit and and tag me fucking losing this or like tag me like like i know for a fact people are, like they're gonna roll their eyes and talk shit when i say i think i'm the best 45 in the world but i i really believe that i am and i think i've shown flashes of it and i just want to get back in there and and uh and and really manifest and capitalize on on this potential like i've been training with the best guys in the world i've beaten some of the best guys in the world already and i just want to keep going much respect, dude, man. I appreciate that drive, dude. I love that passion, man. I uh, I appreciate the time, man. I appreciate you catching up, man. I know uh, it didn't mean to interrupt your family time there, but I appreciate, it, man. Any any other uh, you know thoughts, messages, anything like that that you want to make sure we get out there for you? Um, no, man. I just hope everybody stays safe and 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 get to at least enjoy this time. Hopefully, a little bit. I mean, I know it's fucked, but there are there are good things you can take from every situation. So. I hope everybody stays safe. I hope everybody enjoys their quarantine at least a little bit. Um, if you're bored at home, you can listen to my music on Spotify. 
my band's called Born Breach. You can mosh around in your living room in your underwear or something. All right, that was Andre Feely. Listen, good to catch up with the man. I, I, I listen. I love his passion for fighting, man. I love his honesty. Um, I love the, the 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 way he believes in himself and and the attitude that he has. Um, and and and, and you know the way he says, like, I know haters are gonna hate, but man, that that's that's the kind of attitude you have to have. You know that you're that you can be the best in the world and that you're capable of of uh, great things and. I don't know, man. I, I I like Andre a lot, man. I mean, uh, Sadiq Yusuf, no no shame in losing that guy because I think he's a, a an incredible talent as well. Yeah, um, I, but it's a beast. He really is, man. But I I I like Andre Feely, and I think there's uh, I don't know, man. I think there's a lot of good days ahead of him. So you sound like Touchy Feely touched you inside uh, in, inappropriately. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good-looking man. You wish he did. He's a good dude, man. I, I appreciate his uh, honesty, man. Always That's do. a good dude. Uh, all right, listen. So here was another interview I got to do. So this is great. This this will mean a lot to me. So uh, with all this going on, we're having to slow down a little bit. And, uh, you know, I mean, listen, we can check in with every fighter on the roster. And we're doing a lot of that. Our staff is doing that. Uh, but, I, you know, I've been on that grind for a long time. And there was a chance to kind of slow down a little bit and, and look back. And, uh, and so I, I had the idea, man, I wanted to reach out to Ken Shamrock and talk to Ken Shamrock because um, I, I don't think a lot of people realize the, the history of the way mixed martial arts worked. And that is there was an organization in Japan called Pancras that actually launched before the UFC. They, they held three events before UFC won, all in 1993. And Ken Shamrock fought on all three of those cards. And um, so while the UFC is certainly responsible for growing mixed martial arts to where it is today – they weren't the first brand. And, of course, there were brands even before this as well. But, I mean, just during that time frame even, Pancras had launched um, a, a little bit before. And it's awesome now because you can see all the events on UFC Fight Pass. And there's so much to watch on Fight Pass. And right now we all have so much spare time. But, you know, I, I figured this may be a chance to kind of educate people that, uh, that that don't know about that time period. And, and maybe just kind of a, a blast, uh, you know, down memory lane, so to speak, with people that do understand that period. Now, um, Pancras on USC Fight Pass, I'll be honest, is kind of hard to access. They don't have it all cataloged as perfectly um, as they do with, like, USC events, for instance. And understandably so, man, the digestion process of all that stuff that was on analog tapes to digital, man, it's, it's not an easy process. Um, but if you want to see the ones from 1993, search for – uh, yes, we are hybrid wrestlers, and, and you can find that on there, and you can see Pancras. I think you can also, you know, search uh, in Fight Pass for Pancras One, Pancras Two, Pancras Three. Uh, this is partly responsible for my love of mixed martial arts, man. I um, I used to order these things on VHS tapes uh, from Full Contact Fighter, which was a, a lot of people probably don't even know a, a, a you know a newspaper type format basically that would go out like once a month. I mean this was this was before the age of the internet, man. You couldn't get mm -hmm. results. You know there were some message boards and that sort of thing, but you really didn't get all the results. And so I used to get these VHS tapes, and 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 the, the, and the events at that point were months old, but I hadn't seen the results of them. You know, so I'm watching them and it's like fresh to me, um, and it was so so cool. And I actually still have. Um, all those VHS tapes at my mom's house, man. I was like 14, 15 years old when it launched, and 
it's funny because she's always like, can I throw these away? I'm like, no, you can't. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a VCR, but don't throw them away. Uh, so anyway, I, I wanted to talk to Ken. I mean, obviously he had an, a lengthy career, but really more just about that specific period, man, and what, and what was going on there. And uh, just kind of what his mindset was, and and what the, what the you know what the situation was like, and we ended up talking about uh, UFC one as well a little bit, and uh, I don't know, man, I you know uh, to me just this op- this this time period gave me an opportunity to kind of slow down a little bit, I guess, and, uh, and focus on the past, reflect. There you go. So hopefully people like this. Um, this was a, a conversation I had earlier today, actually, right before I right before I drove over here today uh, with Ken Shamrock. Hello. Ken. Yes. How you doing, sir? Good. Awesome, man. Well, listen, I really I appreciate you taking the time, man. I've always been fascinated by pancreas, man. It's honestly what got me into to mixed martial arts in the early days. And, man, this world's so busy, we never get to talk about it. So I just wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit, especially about those those early days. And, you know, I, I heard the story I was always told is that you were involved in a shoot match in Japan, and, and the, re, the reaction to it was so, you know, positive that, that Masakatsu Funaki and Minoru Suzuki, you know, they said, man, we, we got to start doing this instead of, you know, the direction wrestling is going. And they came up with the idea for Pancreas. And I guess even Carl Gotch maybe helped them with the name. At least that's the story I've always been told. How much, how much truth is that? How, how did this thing get going? Well, um, that's a mystery. But here's what I do know is that I was approached um, by Funaki uh, that they wanted to start this new shoot group. And um, they they wanted to make sure that I came with them. There's a few few guys that they wanted to come because they know they could do the shoot work, the shoot style because I was a big fan in practice of shooting with Fanaki, shooting with Suzuki. Um, and then Takahashi came in. Uh, but when we were under the other regimes, um, they didn't like it. They were a little bit older, and they were they liked the, the softer style better. But myself and Aki Suzuki and a few of the young boys, uh, we really leaned towards really getting after one another in practice. So when we went out and did the the regular UWF matches, that we would be able to breeze through it real easy. We wouldn't get tired because we were so used to shooting on each other in practice. Um, and then they did with the Fujiwara Gumi. Fujiwara went in and had a, a match with um, Don Nakanielsen, and I guess he, Nielsen hit him with a cheap shot, or I don't know the exact thing, but but he he hurt uh, Fujiwara. So we did this show in the, I think it was a Tokyo Dome, uh, you need to correct me on that, but I had a match against um, Don Nakanielsen, and that was the very first shoot um, in this organization, they wanted me to go in there and have a, a legit shoot with Nielsen to put him in his place, and Nielsen agreed to it. Uh, me, nobody knew who I was. I wasn't anybody. Um, Nielsen thought he would walk in and just take me apart, and what happened, uh, you know, was told through that match where I went in, took him down, and snapped his arm. And so at that point, I mean, that you start saying that, what, this is works? I mean, we don't need to do this style anymore? I mean, they, they kind of started the organization. Were you involved at all in the, in the planning or the, the organization of it all? Because obviously you were a, an early star with them. I was, but because it was a Japanese company, I wasn't involved in the setup of it. But 
um, I was one of their main pieces as we as I talked to Suzuki and Fanaki, um, and that uh, they made it wanted to make sure that I kept the, the conversations between myself and them too um, as we moved forward because they would be making the decisions on who would go, wouldn't go. Remember, I'd only had three or four uh, fights at this time, right? Um, so I was fairly new, but they. But because I had trained with Fanaki uh, and Suzuki, they realized that you know that I would be a big piece in making this successful uh, because of my my skill sets of learning so fast and, and picking things up really fast. They saw me becoming very very quickly, um, you know, one of the best. Uh, so they definitely wanted to make sure they locked me down before they made the split. Fanaki came and said, "Hey." Uh, you you come with us, right? Please, please. And I said, absolutely. Because after our first one, man, I was done. I mean, I did not want to go back to this work stuff because I, the adrenaline you got from going in there, knowing it was real in front of that many people and against an opponent who, who I would not be able to hold a candle to if we were strictly stand-up. I would have got lit up. Um, but because it was a street fight, um, basically, I was able to beat this guy who was a world champion. Yeah. And from that point on, man, you couldn't get me to go back to their work style. So when they presented you with the idea, I mean, okay, you're in, did you have faith in them? I mean, did you think we're really going to have real fights or did you think like it's going to be kind of a, a shoot style, but we're still going to have works or we're still going to have predetermined outcomes? I mean, did you believe we're really going to go have fights in this new organization? I did because I felt like who's going to stop us? <laughs> I mean, literally what I thought in my mind was like, I could literally challenge anybody and they couldn't beat me. They couldn't beat Suzuki. They couldn't beat Fanaki. They couldn't beat us. So that gave us the opportunity to challenge everybody in the world to come prove us wrong. We had, we were holding the belt. They, they had to take it from us because right. we could go out and say, listen, come in and fight with no rules. Absolutely none. We'll, we'll fight you. Come prove us wrong. And that's literally what we did. And then USC came in. Basically, they were saying that they were the first ones. That's not true, right? Because um, when I worked for these guys in Pancras, that was our model in Japan. Because everybody, even the Shudo guys, and even all the other guys, were saying how they were better, and we were saying, "Come on, let's come over here, fight, let's fight." Um, and so, because of the way our rules were, um, which was basically, you know especially when we had these, these like knock and Nielsen fights and things like that, it was basically very, very little rules. Right. You, you, because of the mixed style, um, you know, they could kick, they could knee, they could elbow, they could do whatever they wanted. Um, and of course we could do whatever, and I was able to do what I wanted other than you got rape, rope escapes and, and other things that were added into that. But when I fought Nielsen, that was what it was. I mean, he could, he could elbow me, he could headbutt me, he could knee me, he could do whatever he wanted. Um, because that was what they wanted to make it even. And we said, absolutely, let's do it. <laughs> and so for me, that was an exciting concept. The fighting was like, okay, um, obviously we have a certain thing within our organization with rules and, and, and fighting people when they come into our company. But if we were taking on somebody else from another company or another area, it was literally, okay, what kind of rules are we working out and planning to make this fair? How do you guys want to proceed with this? Oh, you want that? Okay, fine. You want that? Okay, fine. Basically, give them whatever they wanted because there was no way they would stop us. 
So here's what was always intriguing to me, because as you said, it was before UFC 1, and I watched these first events, and the level of grappling between, you know, as you said, Funaki, Suzuki, yourself, I mean, everybody that was there, the level of grappling was so high, and this is at a time when, you know, UFC 1 showed the world that, you know, these guys don't know grappling, and, and BJJ is going to change the world and all that. How I'm assuming, I'm not a big pro wrestling guy, so I'm assuming pro wrestling must have been much different over in Japan because you guys already had skills. Where were those skills coming from? I mean, how did you guys have that level when MMA hadn't even started yet? Because in, in the Pancras organization, it was a shoot. Yeah, we had to carry guys because they were coming in and they hadn't had experience and uh, there was, I'm not going to name names. Uh, I don't want to upset, upset people because last time I did it upset certain individuals. <laughs> but because me and, me and Funaki and me and Suzuki and maybe a couple other guys, even Takahashi uh, at a later stage, were, were getting, we were, we, were, we were good. And some of these guys were coming in for the first time. And so some of them would come in and they'd have a great first match. And then um, Fanaki would then put them with me, maybe their second or third match, and he said, would they take them 12 minutes and then, then finish them? So there were times where we would carry guys um, just because we wanted to build their name up right. because we didn't have enough bodies or enough people that were at that level yet. And so we had to carry them a certain amount of distance to um, give them some experience and get some knowledge, which they didn't know. So in other words, we were in there giving up our bodies and hopefully not get caught with something uh, <laughs> and get somebody gets a knockout or catches a knee and then you get put down by accident, which has happened a couple of times where guys were supposed to win, but they had to carry somebody and, and they got caught. Right. Um, but that was something we were willing to do in order to build the organization up. Otherwise we would have been destroying guys, you know, a minute, two minutes in and, and it's over. So we were still at a very young stage of trying to build fighters and trying to get fighters experience without telling them we were doing that. <laughs> it makes sense. How did you end up fighting Funaki in the first one? I mean, you guys were, I mean, he was kind of a mentor to you in a lot of ways, right? I mean, you guys definitely had a great relationship. Was that a difficult decision for you guys to decide to, to fight each other in the very first one? Absolutely not. I mean, no, different mentality, man. I've always had them a different mentality. I know uh, Funaki, the Japanese way, uh, it is a lot of that anyways, is that, if you do not show progress, if you do not challenge them after as much time they put into you, that's a disgrace. Wow. Your sensei, the person teaching you, you must say you go and fight him the first time and you have a good match and, you know, uh, he sees improvement. That's good. Say you fight him three times and that third time you don't beat him or at least don't challenge to beat him. You're not making progress because your floor, um, you know, as, a, as an instructor, your floor should be your student's ceiling or, or the vice versa. I'm sorry, the vice versa. Right. Because otherwise you're wasting your time on your student, right? So, you know, it, it's the same thing with my guys. I remember uh, Frank had and, 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 and asked, you know, I'm going to beat you someday. And I looked at him and I said, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Uh, you know, all this training and everything you're putting in, you know, 10, 12 years younger than me, you better, or otherwise <laughs> I wasted my time. So, no, it's definitely a different mindset. I mean, you're not, you definitely, it hurts when it happens because you realize your, 
you're getting along in the tooth and things that you love to do are, are slowly slipping away. But at the same time, on the other side of that, you're happy that the person um, that you're training and you put your time into is 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 progressing the way that you want, the way you you knew they could. So, but let me ask you: before that fight, you know, 1993, they get September is the month. Uh, you know, we've heard I've heard the story a million times about how you guys in the locker room at UFC one, everybody was nervous and didn't know what to expect and all that. Was there a similar type feel at Pancreas one? I mean, was there were there nerves and was there you know a, a not knowing what to expect? I mean, was it a, was it a similar feel at all? Yeah, I think it was, but not no, not so much for me. Mine was when I fought Naka Nielsen. You know, that was mm. my time. Um, but I was so confident at that point. Uh, because of the training that I'd done and the shoot and stuff that I had done while I was in the dojo, shooting on different people that we brought in, Wayne uh, Dukowski and, and, and people that we brought in from other countries uh, to come and, and, and train there, we would always say, okay, show me what you got. And they always used me as the, the person to go in with these guys. And so I had already done this live a bunch of times. And so going in against Naka Nielsen was actually my first time going live in front of an audience right. uh, and being able to go in and fight somebody. And then the, the next time was, you know, obviously I had other things I had done before I got there, street fights, fair knuckle fighting, other things I did prior to that. But um, as far as in a crowd on a big stage, the the second time was, you know, really against Don Naka Nielsen where, uh, you know, I went in there and, and it was literally, you know, anything goes. I mean, he could have done whatever he wanted to do because it was a kickboxing referee. Uh, it was uh, pretty much all dominant on, on one side because uh, where we were at with, with Fujiwara, we really hadn't had a foothold on Japan at all. So going into this arena, fighting Nakamils, and they were using every rule and every aspect of the fight game to give him the advantage. But going into that, I knew no matter what they did, they couldn't stop me. You know, that first show, it's amazing. You know, obviously you, Funaki, Suzuki, Boss Rutan was there, which is crazy. I mean, you guys are both in the UFC Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm curious, when you saw Boss, I mean, he didn't come from the same world. So were you immediately impressed? I mean, did you see the, the talent in this guy, or, or did that did that take a while to develop? No, actually, I was impressed. He knocked out his first opponent. It was impressive, right? And then, um, and again, remember, when I fought him, I was probably, I'd had four fights under my belt. Like, I'm not exact, but four, maybe four to six months or something I had under my belt when I fought him the first time. But but I had learned very quickly because I, I trained a lot and, uh, and got, got good very quickly. And I remember watching Boss where he knocked out his opponent. I was like, wow. Well, then it was, it was I don't remember how long it was after, but it wasn't very long after that they put him in the ring with me. And, um, so when I get in the ring with him, it's like, you want me to do what? <laughs> and this dude hit, he hit like a friggin' mule. And so here I am fighting this guy. We go 12 minutes and then I catch him in a rear naked choke. The next time I fight him, it's a year or a year and a half later and he's much better. And I beat him in three seconds with a knee bar. Right. Now you tell me what sounds Right. That's tough. <laughs> that, that, you two guys were the best in the game at that point. Boss was a tremendous athlete when it came to combat. And I had thought 
you know, if he would have stayed with the UFC, um, but he had injuries too, so I understand why. But I thought, without a shadow of a doubt, there's no question that um, he would have dominated his weight class. No question. Yeah, he was incredible. What about Funaki and Suzuki? You think those are guys that maybe didn't get the credit they deserve as martial artists? No question, but the difference between uh, Funaki and Suzuki is that neither one of those guys liked to get hit. Mm. I mean, they they did not like it. And the one thing about the UFC and the way the rules played out is you couldn't grab the ropes. Um, there weren't any. You couldn't even grab the fence to stand up, you know. So um, for those guys to uh, be good at that, they would have to be, you know, they would have a strong chin and not be afraid to get hit. Um, and not not that they were afraid. I don't want to say afraid. They just didn't like to get hit. Right. Um, they were they were more concerned with uh, brain damage and and head trauma uh, more than myself or Takahashi. <laughs> uh, whereas that we almost we almost begged for that. Like yeah, hit me, get me started. Um, whereas Tanaki didn't like that, and Suzuki definitely didn't like that. Um, he never even in fact Suzuki never even trained in kickboxing. Uh, I remember him and Takahashi and Funaki used to argue about um, him training more and getting more well-rounded, and he would always say he didn't like it because he was good enough just being a grappler that uh, he could get by just doing that. And, of course, you know, now that the way the world has evolved and the way we see it now, it's just not, there's no way. But that's the reason why I don't think that they were able to come over to the UFC was because of the bare-knuckle aspect of it. And guys that were great wrestlers could take you down, and that would eliminate Suzuki because guys like Mark Coleman or or, or even Kevin Randleman or Kevin Jackson or, you know, you get my drift. Yeah. Olympic-style guys that would take him down and just pummel him with punches. No matter how good his submission skills were, these guys were picking up on how to stay safe and how to stay out of chokes and triangles and all those other things and be able to pummel people. And um, so the, it, did, it wouldn't have worked out uh, well. Uh, but I do believe Fanaki had, the, out of Suzuki and Fanaki, I believe Fanaki had the best uh, skills to be able to, to move into that world of UFC or MMA because he was so well-rounded. But I, I just don't think he liked the idea of getting hit with a bare fist. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So the, the first three events, I mean, you guys rattle off three events pretty quickly in Pancras. And again, this is all before UFC 1. Do you remember what the reception was like at that time? I mean, were, were people liking it? Were they, were they criticizing it? Were they curious? I mean, what, what, what was the reception like at those first three events? Well, it was the same as it was here when UFC started up. You had the people that were in the K-1 uh, pro wrestling all these people were trying to say that it was unsafe, um, that, you know, this, they can't, they shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, there was a lot of resistance from the, the bigger players. Uh, so we were forced into doing smaller buildings, but, um, just like with where we're at with bare knuckle, um, if people like it, it don't matter what arena you go to, you can go to one that has four seats in it. As long as you can get it to the public and they like it, you can't stop it. Um, so that's kind of what happened with, with Pink Grace was when it did come out and it was, was being seen by people and by news reporters and publicists, they were publicizing it. They were pushing it out there in front. And so people just started talking and wanting to see it. And that forced other venues to open up because money talks louder, um, <laughs> and, and it gets power. 
for uh, these things to start flourishing. And that's basically what happened was that, you know, we bided our time, we did our shows, we stayed in smaller venues, but because of the excitement, the popularity of this kind of fighting, it pushed us straight up into controlling all of Japan. It's pretty wild, man. It was a great run. I got to ask you about UFC One. I, I had kind of, I had seen this before, and I'd kind of forgotten about it. But I mean, you fought in Japan on Monday, and then you fight in in the UFC on Friday in the, in the United States. Is that? I mean, what what an insane week! How did you even? I mean, why did you do that? It just seems crazy. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I defended my title against um, Fouquet. Uh, I knocked him out with a knee. Uh, jumped on a plane, flew to Denver, Colorado. I got there, I don't know, three or four days before the event was supposed to happen. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, a mile high up there uh, with the mindset that it isn't really going to happen. Like, there's no way. I mean, if you think about it, I don't know, a lot of people are just way too too young to remember it, but the only time you saw anything like this was in movies or in a street fight, you know, where it lasted 30 seconds. Right. Um, so it just didn't seem like it could happen. Like it just, to me, it was like, this is, how are you going to allow somebody to just walk up and kick somebody in the head on the ground? I said, I just don't see it. And so going into this thing, I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I brought a Japanese team with me for, for cuts, um, for cornering, things of that nature. And so the whole time I get there, it was like, I don't know, three or four days before the event. We go and do this press conference, and and um, it started to get almost like weird because they started to take things away. You're supposed to be no holes barred, anything goes. So they tell me I can't wear my shoes, and I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, no shoes. And I'm like, why? They go, because it's a weapon. And I was like, okay. Not understanding the whole concept that's going on yet. Right. I was like, okay, I, I get it. All right, cool, all right. Uh, but it's supposed to be anything goes, right? There's no rules. There's, there's no time limit. Anything goes. And I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of odd. But all right, whatever. There's nobody going to beat me anyways. And then they take away um, a Frazier's kick pads, his shin guards. Right. And I was like, how is that a weapon? <laughs> I was like, if anything, you're creating more of a weapon, right? And so all this stuff's going in my head, but I'm so focused on waiting to hear them say, oh, and by the way, this is how it's going to work, right? So I'm kind of saying, just kind of blowing everything off, just waiting for the big punch of like, okay, this is how it works. But it never came. They just kept taking things away from certain guys, right? And not knowing at the time that this was a promotion for – you know, the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Right. I didn't have an understanding of that. Uh, that, But all of a sudden, I go up and I say, hey, why are they taking my shoes away? And they tell me, well, you know, they can't do it because the lace is on there. And, you know, it could be, uh, you know, used as a weapon and, and this and that. And I was like, well, what if I don't kick? Well, no, can't have that. And so I was like, okay. I said, so this is really happening, right? So people can kick you on the ground, do all these things. And he said, yeah, absolutely, just no shoes, you know? And I was like, <laughs> okay. But I should have fought back more on it because it did say no rules, anything goes. But at the time, I was just, all I wanted to do was be able to have an opportunity to fight in this. Like, this is no rules, anything goes, no time. And I'm like, I want in on this. And so 
all of a sudden we get up in front of this, this press conference the day before or something. I don't remember the exact day, but the day before or something. Start doing a punching pad and Starby starts testing their skills. And I'm looking around the room and I'm like, man, there's okay. Half these guys just got off a bar stool and the other half are, I'm not sure who they are. And so I knew, um, you know, um, Gerard Godot, I knew him. I, I didn't really know the sumo, but heard of him. Um, but everybody else, I was like, I don't, I don't know. Um, so I thought, like, okay, I'm going to kill these guys. <laughs> and I go in there. I uh, Patrick Smith, I heard of his record. I did all these things. I'm like, whatever. You know, it, it, he ain't got the credentials, um, you know, that I, the guy that I fought in Japan. He doesn't have his credentials. So, um, go down, I hooked him and stood over him wanting more. Then I go out and get voice, uh, right after not knowing who I was going to fight up until that night because they kept changing the brackets around and, and nobody really knew who they were fighting when or how or what. I would say I was moved four times and never knew when I was fighting. Wow. And so finally they got it set. I found out an hour before I go to, to actually go to the arena, what the brackets were. And so I go in against Hoist, and I remember uh, taking him down and going to sit in, and my feet were like on ice. I mean, I could not get footing. Right. It was slick. And uh, especially since I'd never gone without shoes, right? Yeah. I just never gone without wrestling shoes. And so it was a much different surface. And then I found out the level of grappling experience that Hoist had while I was in the middle of trying to get my footing and while I was trying <laughs> to sit back for a leg lock, uh, my feet were slipping everywhere. But I do, I do know this for, and, and it's just my thought process and whatever people want to say, they have their own opinion. But my opinion is, is if I would have had my shoes on in that first one, it would have been like the second one the fight we had. Yeah. I would have been able to just punish him into oblivion. Uh, but because I sat back for a leg and, and lost my footing and gave him that top position, then he turned his G into a rope. It wasn't his arms, it wasn't his hands, it was his G that wrapped around my throat and choked me with the G because if it was arms or hands or anything, I could have pulled it off. I would have broken out of it and then smashed him some more. Uh, but because it was that, that G and I didn't understand uh, what was how he had worked it and what was going on, I'm trying to pull this G that you're not going to pull off. <laughs> And then I thought to myself, and this was all in split seconds of like, I knew I made a mistake <laughs> because I, I didn't have footing. And then when he was choking me, I was thinking, how is this not a weapon? I'm being choked Jeez. with a rope. Yep. That's so true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But again, when you're dealing with that kind of stuff, you're a young fighter. Um, the system has already worked against you. It's rigged against you. Um, going into it, which is not, I really didn't know how bad it was until after, you know, the, we had gotten into the UFC, the second, third fight that I realized this was just something that the Gracies were promoting for themselves. And not to say is that, listen, I, I don't want people to get off on the wrong foot here, but they were good. Yeah. People do not doubt that they were good. Um, but I do believe it would have been a much different outcome. Uh, if I would have had my shoes. And again, you got to think about this. And I tell people all the time, 
listen, it's not like I didn't have an opportunity to win, even though his skill sets were 25 years compared to my two and a half years. Um, and my, you know, uh, uh, experience behind that, I had zero as far as he had his father's 50 years and grandfather's 50 years of experience of doing this. So it was already working against me. So for any, any advantage that they were able to put on Hoist's side, People always laugh at when they see all shoes, you know. And that was a huge, huge advantage when it came to as much experience as I already, with that I had opposed to his experience and his family's experience. Yep. Going into that fight, I needed everything to, to at least be even going into that fight for me to have a chance. Classic and moment. then the people talk, I want to I I fit this in too. People yep. talk about the weight difference. Um, you know, you can sit here and, and I think people know already, the ones that are not biased on the Gracies, know that they always play with the weights. They don't ever give you a true weight. If you watch when me and Royce get up in the second fight that me and Ham when I pummeled him and, and blackened his eye and beat him up, um, he's an inch taller than me. His shoulders are wider than mine. And so for people to say, well, he was 155, 160 pounds, and I was 190-something at the time, he was at least plus 180. There is no question. So for people to say, he's 170, and I say, that's not true. You, you can't look at that frame and tell me that's what he weighed. It's true. He's a lot. I think he's a lot bigger than people realize. I mean, he's, he, you see him hanging around Bellator events now. He's a, he's a bigger guy than I think people recognize. Yeah, that's right. And then again, I the Bellator, too, which I didn't know at the time. I'm a little bit disappointed in that was that he, he was already with them when I fought him there. And then they had their own referee who was a BJJ practitioner, practitioner which I didn't know at the time, um, the one that actually called that fight and then uh, missed the nut shot. Right, no question. Well, let me ask you, Ken, after, after UFC 1, I mean, legendary moment, you go back to Japan, you have a lengthy career there. Uh, and the, the, the thing that always people talk about with Pancrase is, were there works? And you said, hey, we had to carry some people. We had to help people develop, you know. So I, I guess for, for people that are, that are watching and trying to see, I mean, were there works or was it uh, – sometimes when I look at it, I mean, you said we had to carry some people. And I feel like maybe some of the guys try to sell some stuff every now and then. Is that just maybe some of that pro wrestling flair that was still part of the game back then? Not in Pancras, no. Not in Pancras. Um, the, the people that should have won, won. And like I said, there, there was, you know – there was some um, very, I mean, it was only, it was only two times that I had to do it, but it wasn't done for anybody that couldn't have beat me, you know, that had an opportunity to beat me, somebody that was as good as I was. Right. Um, but because of some injuries and some things they had to go through, um, that was just a call that the upper management had to make. And, and I went along with it. Um, but other than that, man, um, it was all straight. It was literally, that's what you got to see. The winner always won who would have won, period. Yeah, that's awesome. Why did you ultimately leave? In 1996, I think, was the last time you fought there. I mean, obviously, you went on to Pride and more UFC and, I mean, a, a great career. But, um, you know, Pancreas, they're, they're still hosting events to this day. Why, why, why did you end up leaving the organization? You know, I think a lot of it had to do was that because they, they didn't appreciate me wanting to spread my wings. My contract allowed it. Um, but for whatever reason, um, they thought it would be, it was bringing a bad, um, light on their organization because I would go in and, and I got beat and I thought to myself, what are you talking about? Mm. This is national recognition, right? 
And so I think they, they, they saw it wrong because that's what got them popular was the USC. And me being in the USC, that got Pancras' name well known. And that's how Boss Root and all these other guys were able to come over and fight in the USC because that's where I came from. Yep. And it gave them huge recognition on the great fighters coming out of Pancras. But they didn't want me to do that because they thought it was going to uh, be bad on them if I was because I lost the hoist the first time. And I was like, hey, I got caught. You know, I'm going to go back. I'm going to do it again. And they were like, no, 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 no. And I was like, I'm not going to walk away from this. I'm going to finish what I started. And they didn't like that. They didn't want me to go back. That's crazy. So when you look back on it, I mean, obviously you've a legendary career in combat sports, but do you think about that time fondly or, or is it frustrating because the way it ended? Or I mean, how will you remember that time of your life? Yeah, I think both. It was frustrating because I, but, but I, again, it's not frustration in a point to where it, it bothers me that much. I think the thing that bothers me more is not the necessary of that, but it's the, it's the not, it's the, the people not acknowledging what they did. That's the first thing, even though it's very clear and, and, and it's, and it's there, everybody knows it, but it's that they won't acknowledge it. They won't say, yeah, you know, it was an opportunity for us. I mean, could you blame them? I mean, I'm not going to hate them for it. I mean, heck, if I had an opportunity to put an organization together and, and highlight the lion's den and, and stack things in my favor, not cheating, but just stacking things in my favor and they go along with it, I'm doing it. Right. So that's not the point. The point is, is that they keep trying to say it didn't happen. What was the best moment for you? Was it was it the uh, the King of Prankers win or, or was there another moment that maybe stood out to you for, for a particular reason? Well, I think being the first of anything um, is always something that you can't you can't be replaced. Right. Right. So, you know, being a very appreciative being crossing over, you know, um, in pro wrestling and, and crossing over MMA or MMA into pro wrestling, wrestling into MMA, however, however people want to look at it with Vince Torelli or whatever. But being the first there to, to really make an impact, uh, being the first um, Pancras champion, uh, being the first um, USC champion, um, any weight class, whether you want to call it a super fight or whatever, but it was a single fight championship that leads into every other single fight championship, however you want to call that. Um, and, uh, so for me, it was, and being in the very first USC, you know, I mean, starting it all, um, you know, these are all memories that will never, ever change and can never be replaced. You can always have another champion, but you can't be always have another first. That's right. That's right. That's awesome, man. Well, Ken, I, I appreciate taking the trip down memory lane. What's, uh, I know it's a weird time in the world for everybody, but is, is Valor Bear Knuckles that still on the horizon once, once we get this world back up and running? Yeah, actually, we were getting ready to announce our next show, and this came up, so we don't have any. We can't really announce it because we don't know how long this thing's going to go for. But yeah, it, all we did, so people understand what, what what was going on, was that we were basically doing a first one for uh, advertising, right? Um, and and basically launching Valor Business for investors and people that want to come in and be involved with us. So we did one show so they could see what it looked like with the pit, all the new innovative things that we were doing for bare knuckle uh, boxing. Um, so that way, uh, people that were going to invest with us would see what, what it is we're doing and why they would invest with us because we are different. 
we're exciting and that we are very professionally run. So um, being able to put our business plan together after we did our first one with all the, and you guys will see it because a lot of our stuff is going to be going up. Um, and we're taking our time now because of this, this, this virus. Uh, but we will be, we will have a different, the look will be the same, but our setup, our organization, everything we're doing with the business and the sponsors and the investors will all have a place and it'll be a, very professional business plan. That's awesome, man. Well, brother, I appreciate it, man. I uh, always appreciate the time from you. And uh, yeah, once you get Valor going again, and you know we all get back to normal business, let's let's talk again and help you promote it once that once that's ready to go. I, I appreciate that. No worries, King. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you, sir. you go the world's most dangerous man that was uh I, man i really enjoy that to be honest with you i that you know masakatsu fanaki minoru suzuki man if you don't know these names um check them out man super talented kind of early area mixed martial artists frank duke uh, yeah <laughs> come on man <laughs> uh suzuki especially was a badass man this dude was just a, a cool looking cat fanaki uh was was kind of the badass at the time uh i, I don't know man I, I i love all that stuff and i'm gonna actually uh, for those of you guys over at Patreon.com uh, slash the MMA Roadshow, I, I got a couple clips uh, that I've uh, obtained of some fights that I want to share with you. So we'll, we'll have a, a couple of little, couple of little John's favorite fights behind the scenes. I like man. it. We'll post those over there uh, on the Patreon and, and share some, uh, some, some, like I said, give you some fights to watch and maybe take some history. Now, I will say this: uh, you know, he talked about the fact that uh, you know they kind of carried some guys here and there. Um, I had always heard that uh, the fight with Matt Hume, of course, if you know, Matt Hume is now famous as Demetrius Johnson's trainer. Uh, he was a fighter before they fought in Pancras. Uh, I had always heard that that was one. And if you go back and watch it, you can kind of see a little bit where it looked like Ken did kind of carry him a little bit. I had always heard one of the fights with Suzuki. Um, he, he was uh, an issue where he was concerned about. So I think Suzuki was carrying some injuries into that fight, so he had to be careful with him there. Um, and I don't know what he said. I didn't because he said initially I don't want to name specific names, but when he mentioned Boss's name and the second fight, um, it sounded to me like they had an agreement that that fight was going to end quick. Uh, maybe Boss, and I'm going to try to reach out to Boss and catch up with him as well. Uh, that maybe there was something going on there with an injury. It's funny if you go watch that fight; it's their rematch, uh, and this is interesting thing about uh, adding in these analog tapes and stuff is stuff disappears, man. So if you go back and watch that fight, literally all that exists is an overhead camera. So it's just literally just an overhead shot. It wow. looks like you're watching like an Atari game or something. Yeah. It's just, it's, I mean, two of the greatest mixed martial artists of that generation, and the only thing that's there is is one overhead camera. Yeah, so it's lost to history. That's, that's it what, is. If you haven't uh, dubbed all those VH te- uh, VHS tapes to something by now, just the materials breaks down, man. So that stuff that's old and old and old, soon away. it's just going to be unusable. It's not like at one point, you know, you're going to try to play it in the VCR and it's just going to be. I'd always because I'd always heard that it's like I'd always in my head at least thought that like well it's just that it wears out from overplay, but it's not just even if it's in storage, like it just de- it's, deteriorates. It deteriorates, right? yeah. I'm sure the more you bring it out and play it, the the more wear and tear. Uh, but yeah, it's still just over time, just deteriorates, just the materials. Crazy. All right, listen. Uh, as far as mixed martial arts this weekend, of course, we know that there's uh, nothing going on. Uh, I will say that uh, that we do have submission underground eleven on Sunday. So if you want to, if you're if you're 
Jones in for a little bit of you know grappling action at the very least. Uh, I was trying to talk to Chael Sonnen. He, he's, uh, he's been busy as always. Uh, he did send me the latest card. Uh, Jake Ellenberger is on there. Craig Jones is supposed to uh, grapple with Kevin Casey, so that should be interesting. Um, he did say, listen – uh, we've we've had a lot of changes, man. There's there's. You we know, should get him. They're they're we trying get to get him on an on. interview. Who's that? Chael. That's what I'm saying. I was trying to get Chael, but he's been like super busy. Get on him. He's I I don't know I don't know if he necessarily wanted to talk about it because I probably not. I mean I can see where a lot of people are like, uh, let's just make it happen and let's not talk about that's it. That's kind of the, the but like, those are a lot of good questions that he can answer. He I was mean, texting like, back and forth yeah, with me, but then I was like, bro, I should we should get on the phone for a little bit, and then he wouldn't text me back. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, even uh, better. How about having your mug on the on the video uh, screen? Yeah. yeah. I don't think he wants. I don't think he wants. But uh, yeah, probably once not. once the once this gets done, maybe he'll want to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, but listen, that that will be on Fight Pass. So I'll be watching that. Uh, I did want to give a quick shout out to uh, David Elmore. He recommended the uh, McMillions podcast. I, t- I told you last week I was, I've been watching McMillions. Yep. Yep. There is a companion podcast that normally I would never, ever, ever have time to listen to. But right now I have all the time <laughs> in the world. So I actually uh, went back and listened to some of the podcasts as well. So uh, pretty cool. Still like McMillions. I-, I wanted to give real quick as well. I don't know if that's really a recommendation. But I kind of enjoyed it. I watched a movie, and I never watch movies because I never have time. Whoa! I watched a movie called Yesterday. I don't know if you've heard of this. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I. I enjoyed it, man. I really I loved liked it. it. I but, actually saw that on a plane, and then I think I watched it after. But I watched that was one of the uh, plane movies. I it watched. was fun. I, I'll read again. I'll read the uh, synopsis here. It says it Jack awesome. Malik is a struggling singer songwriter in an English seaside town whose dreams of fame are rapidly fading despite the fierce devotion and support of his childhood best friend, Ellie. After a freak bus accident during a mysterious global blackout, Jack wakes up to discover that the Beatles have never existed. Performing songs by the greatest band in history to a world that has never heard them, Jack becomes an overnight cessation with a little help from his agent. So basically he's in this, he's hit by a so bus, yeah. and all of a sudden the Beatles, he wakes up to a world where the Beatles have never existed, so he's playing Beatles songs, and people are like, wow, that's amazing. Dude, that is the brilliant song. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I enjoyed it. Yesterday. I, I, I liked it. I uh, you know, it's All not, my troubles seem so far away. That's amazing. Did you write that? I did. <laughs> You uh, never. I mean, yes, I did write that. I I enjoyed it. It's such. A, it's a it's good. It's a movie. fun movie. If you're it's just a looking for some movie. kind of fun, I mean, obviously, uh, it's you know, it's a fantasy movie. Dude, I'll tell you what's funny. I was googling that because I wanted to get the synopsis so I could write that okay. down. So I googled yesterday. Yesterday, the movie. Yeah. And so you, you, it comes up, and that's on the right hand side. And then you know how like you get like the box of like people also asked, and it's Google okay. saying what people also asked about that movie. And some dude, one of the top answers was. Is yesterday uh, based on a real story? <laughs> I'm like, he wakes up in a world where the Beatles have never existed. Uh, that would be no. That would be no. That's not a real story, you jackass. And the fact that enough people have asked it that it registered in Google makes me think that maybe the pandemic isn't that bad, and we need to like get rid of some of the crap a little bit. You know? What yeah. I'm no, that's a. It's a, it's fun. Such a good movie, and the yeah the the. The the lead actors are awesome. I thought the the lead actor Himesh Patel. I thought he was awesome. Uh, English actor, a brown man, but he was fantastic. I love it when movies now are not just choosing some good looking white dude to play like the role. Yeah, and uh, he was fantastic, man. Yeah, yeah. And I thought the I thought it was so That's good. That's true because ethnicity played no, you know what I mean. No part like, at all. No part in the movie. It's just yeah. a, a dude. That is, that, that, you so know, I, I love that. About it, but it's more nice, more right? movies are, are starting to do that, and I, I applaud them. And I thought he was fantastic. He's been in a bunch of other other stuff. Uh, 
dude, it was such a lighthearted, fun movie. But I think That's anybody, it. It anybody, lighthearted and fun, which is kind of what we likes, need right now. Yeah, right? anybody that likes the Beatles will totally get a kick because all of us would be like, "Man, I wish that was me." If it was if a I, norm, <laughs> if it was a normal week, I'd probably be like, "This movie's dorky." So what did you think? Uh, I enjoyed it. It also has a cameo, and I thought he did a fantastic job. Ed Sheeran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Ed Sheeran did great. He was fantastic. Ed Sheeran's phenomenal in this. Because, I mean, I don't want to ruin it for you folks, but he's in it as well. He has a great cameo. And the relationship between them, I mean, it was so good. So I'm I'm just going to want to go fucking watch it It again. It is a non-typical recommendation from me, but I saw it It's totally a non-MMA movie. (laughs) I really like it. I usually live in the bubble. If you're looking for something lighthearted and entertaining, if you like the Beatles music especially, which I don't know how you wouldn't, uh, there you go. So any, I I didn't I didn't tell you to prep anything, but oh, you got as for any, movies, you got any? Uh, I mean, movie, TV shows, any any uh, you know, f- from inside stuck in the the house things that people need. to Oh watch? man, I just I started watching some uh, other like uh, night sci-fi thing. It was Letter Letter to the King or something. I just started that actually last night. It's a series. It's like it's got a young actor that was in uh, shoot another show that I recently just watched. Uh, oh that. Uh, the remake of sort of the Golden Compass, uh, which I now already can't remember. The one I recommended last time. Right, right. One of the actors in it. Uh, I think Netflix does a really good job, maybe, of reusing the actors in different series. So this kid's in another one, and this one's more back in the time of knights. And uh, uh, he's wants to be a knight, and it's got this cool little story. But actually, put that on. It's called Letter Letter to Letter to the King or something, where he's a. Uh, wannabe knight and he has to take this letter to the king or the kingdom's gonna fall to this evil prince blah 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 um and i played it and actually agent h actually kind of was into it too which normally so it's basically sh- like 1917 like that yeah one. that's that's when <laughs> the, the whole plot that one you got to take a letter to these people or that yeah one? yeah they, <laughs> it's literally <laughs> literally he just never makes it to the post office for some reason his horse never shows up to the post office he must not have had the right postage or something he had a sword fight for a right stamp or something <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, yeah, I would have pretty uh, did some research and find something better. But that's literally just something we popped on oh, last see, that's night. That's off the top of the head, man. Literally just off the top. I, we just I'm watched not, that not, last we're night. We're not trying to be fancy. We're just trying to say what's up. Yeah, you know, I went. I tried to. There were no new magnums. Uh, there were no new Picards. Uh, some other ones. My my typical wheelhouse. Now it's getting the point. That's the problem. Is like, what haven't you watched? Right. You know, you go to your Netflix and, you, and all your shows. You're probably all caught up. And then you're like, okay, we got to start looking at other stuff. And uh, Man, Agent H finds the most random ass, weird reality shows that uh, I, I can't watch it. I can't. I can't deal with it. But she's. But you know what show I kind of forgot about, and that she does watch some is like The Voice, uh, and like American Idol. The Voice yeah, yeah. now has uh, Nick Jonas on it. Okay. Uh, and it's actually pretty good. Like it's got Nick Jonas, John Legend, um, Kelly, and uh, I forget the the country guy's name, Blake Shelton. Mm-hmm. And uh, the relationship is actually pretty pretty awesome. The fun scene, the banter, but the, like the singers now, they're all really really good. A lot of the ones that go on it used to be like you'd had one good singer or something. They clearly won the season, um, but I, I've been having fun watching that one as well. Uh, just seeing that, uh, it's just cool to see that they're still really really super talented people <laughs> out there doing really cool stuff. So I dig it. I dig it. Well, there you go. There's our recommendations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yesterday. Now say, I'm going to have to go watch yesterday again. It's good, man. I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> if you're looking on Fight Pass, I will say uh, to go along with that that, that Ken Shamrock piece, again, 
Yes, we are hybrid wrestlers. Watch Pancras 1, 2, and 3. It's a piece of history. Those all happened before UFC 1, um, which I think is cool, man. I think a lot of people don't realize there was you know these events before UFC 1. So go watch those three events. They're all really fast, too. Uh, go watch those. And also, uh, I'm working on uh, some a new piece uh, for MMA Junkie that we're going to have out in <laughs> Does April. Does your wife know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> a piece of video that we're going to have out in April. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that next week. But... Um, uh, while I was doing it, I was going back and watching some old events. If, if you're looking for just a random event to throw on uh, that had like some awesome finishes and just some, some historical fights, uh, watch Pride Bushido 10, uh, an all-time classic event in terms of like just some violent, violent endings. And uh, yeah, if you're just Pride looking for a random some violence, event. some serious yeah. violence and some Pride stuff. Pride had some Pride had some crappy fights along the way. Like everybody's like, oh, Pride never die. Like it's yeah. funny if you go back and watch all Prides, like, yeah. you'll realize like. There were some really shitty fights. Yeah, you like, realize how much nostalgia uh, yeah. makes you put certain colored glasses on when you watch it. Like everything is rosy. Yeah. Everything was awesome. They had like, some. They had some <laughs> shitty cards, but there's some really good ones. And Pride Bushido Ten's one of them. Yeah, it's funny. You yeah, went early when you were joking around. It's funny. I don't know why when you were talking about Ken Shamrock for the, the for some reason Frank Dukes <laughs> popped in my head. But the other day, Bloodsport was on. It was so funny because Bloodsport and um, that was, that was Kickboxer awesome. came really close, right. and they're two different people. Right. But it was played by the same actor, one John Claude Van Damme, which uh, our good friend Fernando Praches used to be absolutely obsessed with him. Sure. But it's funny. I hadn't watched Kickboxer in so long. And I watched it, and it was just so laughable kind of watching it. But I remember at the time – when it first came out and I watched it, I remember thinking, like, this is the most badass fighting. Wow. And you watch it now and it's like it's like a really bad MMA fight. Dude, like, blood it's sport terrible. To me, blood sport to me was, I mean, transformative, dude. Like, that yeah. was the shit. Yeah, kickboxing was not so great compared nah. <laughs> Bloodsport was the one. All right, well, there you go. That's what you need to catch up with. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys like the, the link to your interviews. Like I said, I mean, we could sit here and talk about stuff, but um, not that there's not stuff to talk about. But I don't know, man. During this time when we're slowing down a little bit, I think maybe a couple lengthier interviews here and there might not be the worst uh, case to, to do. So let me know what you think. Obviously, you can always hit me up on at MMA Junkie John on Twitter. Always happy. My DMs are open. You can you can hit me up with your. <laughs> you don't have to there. slide up in there. You just you ain't slide, slide up, up in there. They're open. No lube required. I, I'll, uh, wow, that is good, man. It's. The cold frosty beverages are flowing here. <laughs> Feel uh, free to keep course, your suggestions, just like the McMillions. Uh, I was going to say, keep, your suggestions. keep those going. And, of course, if you can go over to patreon.com slash the Roach Show, that's where we're really – you're VIP right there. You come over there. Yeah. We're like, we'll, we'll make it happen for we're, you. And plus, we're, like we said, uh, we're going to do, uh, do some uh, Q&As and stuff. We'll probably do one or so for everybody that's a member. Yep. But for definitely for the upper tiers, we're going to do some Q&As. No question about fun it. Fun little back-and-forth stuff we can uh, – we can do no question about it so uh, there you go all right listen uh no and a half this weekend but like i said over at patreon.com slash the may road show we will have some additional content that's rolling out over the weekend hopefully you can join us over there in the meantime thanks for listening